symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Turn it on and rip the knob off. guys and welcome back to the wrestling memory grenade and we're at episode number 81 as we continue on in the month of may tv here for 1987 in the world wrestling federation and i am your host a slightly under the weather ray russell returning again this week still fighting the cold guys but i'm getting there we continue on with may 1987 of the world wrestling federation and a reminder you guys can listen to the wrestling memory grenade in our sister shows Monday Warfare, The Battles Within. It's Raw versus Nitro over there. A new season of Monday Warfare beginning to drop the first full week of March here in 2023. So be sure to stay tuned to the Monday Warfare podcast. New episodes coming right around the corner next week. In fact, you guys can also listen to our brand new regional wrestling podcast where we talk the territories as part of the WrestleCopia podcast network on WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met from Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. Also, be sure to follow me on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like us at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Follow us on social media for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. You may want to also make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can find us there at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital and most recently over there on YouTube been adding the entire year of the Mid-South Wrestling Bill Watts's UWF promotion from 1986 as well as a great heel promo from Lord Alfred Hayes and the championship wrestling from Florida territory dating back to 1980. Alfred Hayes stating that he doesn't give a hoot about the NWA there. Also recently added to the YouTube channel, the fabulous Freebirds make their debut promo in Georgia championship wrestling alongside Gordon Soley. And you'll also see promos from Hulk Hogan and Bob Backlund heading into the September 1980 Madison Square Garden card on one end, Hulk Hogan talks his upcoming match against Andre the Giant, special guest referee for that one, Gorilla Monsoon. And on the other end, Bob Backlund talks about the champion versus champion match he has upcoming. It's WWF champion Bob Backlund taking on the NWA world champion, Harley Race. Wow. And you get all of that on our YouTube channel. And yes, 1987 WWF footage as well to follow along as we talk here on The Grenade Show. And if that wasn't enough, now is also a great time to become a WrestleCopia patron. You can find us there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That's patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. As you know by now, we have multiple tiers you can choose from, but I only ask you to give it a start at the $5 all-access tier, and that includes all of my insanely detailed show notes 
from Monday Warfare, the Wrestling Memory Grenade, and now the Regional Wrestling Podcast as well. You'll also receive early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, you'll also get remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, covering the 1989 NWA project, includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the show due to time restraint, edited right back in. In fact, just this week on Patreon, I have remastered episode number four of The Grenade, covering the Chi-Town Rumble pay-per-view and so much more. But that's not all here at the all-access tier. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. Already added a dozen digital downloads here in the month of February in 2023. And of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's Main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. And you get all of that, guys. The insanely detailed show notes to three of our podcast shows, the early access, Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content, digital downloads, and so much more. All of that for the low, low price of just $5 a month. No subscription. Cancel any time. Show your support. Give it a try for a month, and I think you'll like the content we offer. And every penny of it, guys, goes right back in here to the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please, help us pay some of the bills. Help keep WrestleCopia up and running for the months and the years to come. And now, with all of that out of the way, it's time to dive back into May of 1987. We're going to kick things off with the weekend of May 9th. And if you're wondering where May the 2nd went to, we'll go back two episodes ago. We covered May 2nd through the 4th. Superstars Wrestling Challenge primetime, as well as Saturday night's main event. So we pick things up here for the weekend of May 9th as we go back in time yet again to the WWF Superstars of Wrestling. All right, and here we are, WWF Superstars for May the 9th, taped back April 23rd, 1987 in Worcester, Massachusetts at the Centrum. Vince McMahon, Jesse the Body Ventura, and wrestling's only living legend, Bruno San Martino, on commentary. As we head off to the ring, we kick things off right away with the Intercontinental Champion. It's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat squaring off against Tiger Chung Lee. And straight away, Lee jumps the dragon, but it's Steamboat quickly in control of the matchup. The two men begin trading chops, but Tiger Chung Lee is the one who gets the win of that battle and takes control of the match from there. Steamboat, though, eventually battles back with a big scoop slam, but Tiger gets his knees up on a dragon splash. Tiger Chung Lee beats down the Intercontinental Champion and goes to the top rope, but gets slammed off for his troubles. And Steamer straight to the top with the flying karate chop off the top rope. Going to get the win here. And he did those two moves in rapid succession. Tiger Chung Lee climbing to the top rope. Steamboat rushes over, slams him down, and then runs straight up to the top rope. Jumps off with the chop to score the win here. Almost like someone told him to go home now. Steamboat picking up the win in 3 minutes and 24 seconds. And I like competitive squashes, but Tiger Chung Lee dominated the Intercontinental Champion here. Don't know if I like seeing that. Also, not digging this new flying chop finisher from the Dragon. 
especially as IC champion, seems more of a, a setup move than anything. But I digress as we're off to update with Craig DeGeorge. He's going to recap the recent debate between Kim Patera and Bobby Heenan and the neck injury sustained by the brain. From the pages of the World Wrestling Federation magazine, here's Update with Craig DeGeorge. And hi, everyone. Well, you just knew that the tempers would flare, that the debate wouldn't and just couldn't remain verbal. Former Olympian Ken Patera back in the World Wrestling Federation and back, obviously, with fierce anger toward his former manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Patera says Heenan misguided him right to a two-year jail sentence. So putting the two in the ring together was more like just waiting for a volcano to erupt. You want a belt? You want a belt? I'll give you a belt. tell you, no matter what you think about Heenan, it's tough not to grimace after looking at that. We caught up with the brain to get his thoughts on the matter. Okay, Kempatera, are you happy? Are you really happy? I hope you're happy. But I went to the doctor. The doctor told me it's a sprained neck. Well, it feels like it's broke to me. Every, t- every time I move my head, it feels like it's broke. But you're going to pay, Patera. Oh, you're going to pay. You're going to pay. Because I want this, something to happen to you. And next week, I want to challenge you right here. Oh, right here. A match against Hercules, the strongest, strongest man in professional wrestling. You hear that, Patera? The strongest man. Next week. All right, contract talks are still going on. We will, however, find out within this hour whether Patera will accept the challenge and meet Hercules next week here in the Superstars of Wrestling. With update, I'm Craig DeGeorge. So Bobby Heenan now in a neck brace. The diagnosis is a sprained neck. The brain lays out a challenge for next week here on Superstars. Should Patera choose to accept, he will go one-on-one with the mighty Hercules. And we'll find out if the Olympic strongman will accept or not later in this episode. But as we go back to the ring, six-man tag team action. It's the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, and Natural Butch Reed, along with the Doctor of Style Slick in their corner, taking on the trio of Jimmy Powers, Paul Roma, and Joe Murdo. And Powers and Roma everywhere together now, it would seem. It's clear that it's more than just a sometimes thing. The WWF going to back this team, to some degree anyway. Slickster gets on the microphone prior to the match, says Hacksaw Duggan won't prevent Nikolai from singing the Russian national anthem here today. Volkov then performs the anthem for the first time in, God, it has to be months, without the interference of Hacksaw. But we learn on commentary, Vince McMahon says that Jim Duggan isn't here today. Ah, that explains it. As the six-man gets going, we get an insert promo from Outback Jack, who talks about Hacksaw Jim Duggan not being there this week. He says if Duggan were there, he'd put a stop to that singing. Quick smart, mate. And as the match gets going, Sheiky looking surprisingly good in there with Jimmy Powers doing a drop-down leapfrog hip toss sequence. Paul Roma tags in, tries a sunset flip on the Iron Sheik, but eats a fist to a face for his troubles, and the heels take over. Nikolai Volkov then tagging in, beating down on Paul Roma, but Paul leapfrogs over Big Nick and makes the tag to Joe Murdo. From there, Volkov busts out that spinning leg kick thing that he does to Murdo's gut. The announcer's putting it over his amazing agility. Meanwhile, I groan every time I see Nikolai try this move. Then Butch Reed finally tagged into the match with the Gorilla Press drop. One move, and probably for the best, Butch Reed picking up the win over Joe Murdo here in 2 minutes and 39 seconds. Following the match, poor Bruno tries to do instant replay as he normally does, 
but Vince McMahon has to cut him off to throw back to ringside as the Doctor of Style once again takes hold of the microphone. What's going on? I am not saying what I said as far as now. However, my manager will. What's this? Are you people stand on your feet and show me the respect that I so rightfully deserve here? Well, I don't think Prince or James Brown could have did that any better. That was the Russian anthem with soul. All right, and it was apparently Slick's turn there to sing the Russian national anthem, sort of. Well, he had the right sound flow of the song anyway, although not so sure all those words were correct. Heels taking advantage of Duggan's absence this week, no doubt about it, and Jesse Ventura on commentary can't hold in the laughter. As we're off to Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with the Can-Am Connection. All right, hi again, everybody. Mean Gene Okerlund reminding you the World Wrestling Federation is on the move. And right now there is a very interesting tag team situation here. As you know, the Hart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Hart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, are the current tag team champions, their manager, the Mouth of the South, made that prediction over a year and a half ago, and it all came to pass not that long ago. Gentlemen, come on in. I've got to consider this one of the top contending tag teams in all of professional wrestling today. Rick Martell and Tom Zink from Canada and the United States. They are known as the Can-Am Connection. And Ricky Martell, right now you and your partner are hot on the heels of the Hart Foundation. Yes, we are. You know, we've been training very hard and we're, we're working out right now on some new techniques because every time we step into that ring, you know, we always try to, to go there with different moves, things that people and our opponents have never seen so we can catch them by surprise and win right there because you see... You know, at this point, Gina, a loss would be a disaster for us because, you know, we're getting close to a title shot and we're waiting for it. And when we do get it, we'll, we'll be ready for it. All right, uh, Tom Zink, I don't think it's any secret to you and a lot of others here in the World Wrestling Federation that the Hart Foundation has established themselves as really playing hard-nosed ball. They really have. Uh, I've heard them saying many times in an interview, no more Mr. Nice Guy for 87. <laughs> and believe me, when it comes to playing hardball, we can play hardball too. But the opportunity hasn't arisen. But I think it's about time enough that we've been here in the World Wrestling Federation. And I think we've proven ourselves. And from the fan letters that we've gotten, they've been asking us, when are we going to get a title shot? Well, we don't know. But believe me, Hart Foundation, when we finally do get that opportunity, and believe me, we're going to because we're going to keep fighting our way, wrestling our way until we get that shot with you, and we're going to be ready. Right, partner? Yes, sir. All right, get ready. They are the exciting Can-Am connection. There's something else. Tom Zink and Rick Martell. All right, the Can-Am's working hard, coming up with new moves each and every week. It's been long enough, they say. They're ready for a tag team title opportunity against the Hart Foundation. Then back to the ring for more action. Jake the Snake Roberts taking on Rick Gantner here as we get an insert promo from the Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart. Honky's next hit single... The Snakeskin Blues. Back to the ring, Jake attacks Gantner right away and is relentless on the offense here before leading to the DDT, which connects Jake the Snake laying on top of Gantner, scoring the win in just a minute and 22 seconds. Then it's Damien out of the bag post-match for some added fun. Quick matchup here this week. Jake will work Kamala at the Saturday night's main event taping here in five days after this was taped, and then he'll take off nearly eight weeks due to injuries. 
And it's back to Mean Gene Oakland. We got another promo lined up here, this time with Billy Jack Haynes. All right, stay tuned, folks. We're going to get you back up into the ring here in just a moment or two for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action. Young man that entered this great World Wrestling Federation League here not that long ago. I have tremendous admiration for him because he came up the hard way. He came up in the streets of Portland, Oregon. And you know I'm talking about Billy Jack Haynes. Billy, come on in. You have, have risen, of course, to the very top of the World Wrestling Federation here in such a short amount of time. I've got to believe that a lot of it, uh, responsible in part to the phenomenal Full Nelson that you possess, perhaps the best ever, maybe even better than Charles Atlas Full Nelson. Thank you very much, Gene. You said it right when you said came from the streets, because before I got into professional wrestling, I honestly admit to all you people, I never had a dime to my name. I never had a car. I never had nothing. I'm not looking for any sympathy from anybody. But I'm telling you what, I was born and raised in the street. And Hercules Hernandez, Hercules, whatever you want to be called, you gave to me 30 stitches in my head, WrestleMania 3. Now, Gene, that's something I've got to look in the mirror the rest of my life with. I don't care. I'm going to tell you one thing right to your face, because this interview has gone all over the globe. International, man. The World Wrestling Federation is where it's at. And when they say pro wrestling, the word pro means you make money. Now, you tried to take my head off with a 60-pound chain, Hercules. That's fine with Billy Jack. We didn't see who the master of the full Nelson was in WrestleMania 3, did we? But I'm telling you, now you're messing with my livelihood. You could have put me out of professional wrestling for good. Now, Dean Okerlund and everybody in the World Wrestling Federation, Vince McMahon, I don't care. Listen to what I have to say. Give me the match with Hercules, and I'm going to tell you what. You get the ambulance out, because one of us is going to get a ride for good, punk. All right, he is very heated, and he probably has just concern for being so. He is Billy Jack Haynes. All right, so Haynes, the king of the streets. Hercules gave him 30 stitches in the head at WrestleMania 3. Herc tried to take Billy Jack's livelihood from him. The raging maniac Billy Jack wants a rematch. Get the ambulances ready. I kind of believe him. Dear God. And now we're off to a Brutus the Barber beefcake vignette in the barber shop. No, not that barber shop, but a barber shop. Beefcake at his barber chair, talking Adrian Adonis, Dino Bravo, Greg Valentine. He says if they can't make it in to his barber shop, he makes house calls. Kind of a corny segment, but they continue to push the barber gimmick nonetheless. Into the ring, Killer Khan, Mr. Fuji in his corner, taking on Mike Richards. Richards. Wearing a Confederate flag type jacket here wouldn't fly in today's society. We get an insert promo from Mr. Fuji. He says Khan is vicious. Do whatever Fuji say. Even Mr. Fuji says that he is afraid of Killer Khan. Really trying to put Khan over hard here as Vince ponders on commentary if Killer Khan is a descendant of Genghis Khan. Only in your world, Vince. In the ring, Killer Khan with chomps and stomps in between his screaming war cry that it's the backbreaker and a middle rope knee drop. But he's not done yet. Killer Khan ascends to the top rope. What's he going to do up there? Flying knee drop. Badass. Off the top rope. Really nice looking knee drop here from Khan off the top. And he'll pick up the win in 2 minutes and 52 seconds. Killer Khan has glimpses of good things in very short bursts. Everything else is chops and kicks. But the crowd's simply not in to the Killer Khan character yet, however. As we have another soundbite lined up at this time, Craig did George standing by with the outlaw, Ron Bass. All right, outlaw Ron Bass, want to ask you about this verbal feud going on between Blackjack Mulligan, <laughs> who has lashed back at you 
For lashing out about his girlfriend, Sarah Joe Puckett. Let me tell you something, Mr. Blackjack Mulligan. I heard you were out here making all kind of threats about me. If I don't shut my big yap, you're going to shut it for me. Well, let me tell you something, big Blackjack Mulligan. I'm not running away from you. I'm not hiding. You come and shut this yap. Hey, I can't help it if you've got the ugliest broad at all of Texas. I can't help it if she's a 300-pound warthog. I cannot help that. You're the one that started, not the big outlaw. And I'm not going to be running from you. Let me tell you something, big Blackjack. Mulligan. Your whole family, let me put it this way, are all yellow. Let's see you back up for a change, what you can say. Why don't you just bring this Miss Sarah Joe out here and show all the people just how kind of raving beauty that you've got. Let me tell you something, people. Be prepared for the shock of your life. I think Halloween just might be early for a change. And Bass tells Blackjack Mulligan, come on and shut the outlaw's mouth. He can't help it. If Sarah Joe Puckett is mm, less than flattering, bring out old Sarah Joe. Let us all see what she looks like. And the suspense has gotten to me, guys. I really would love to have seen what Sarah Joe Puckett, what she would have looked like at the end of the day. We got so close to seeing that. As the show goes on, George the Animal Steel apparently loves the WWF ice cream bars. Ice cream. Good. Calories. Bad. No, Steele didn't say that, but it would have been awesome if he did. And back to the ring, six-man tag team action yet again this week. This time it's the Killer Bees, teaming up with the Birdman Coco Beware, taking on the trio of Terry Gibbs, Steve Lombardi, and the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty. All three men on the babyface side in bee masks. Yes, Coco too. As we get an insert promo kicking off this match from Leaping Lanny Poffo. Poffo gonna talk the bird and the bees. Let's take you now to the Poet Laureate of the World Wrestling Federation. There's a birdman in town named Coco Beware, and that name ought to keep you in line. You may think that his dancing is just for the birds, but those draw kicks are sweeter than wine. Now, speaking of draw kicks, there's Blair and Brunzel, who are always at ease in the air. Hang on to your hats. It's the great killer bees with the fabulous Coco Beware. Yes, indeed. And then straight to the action. The baby faces all over Gibbs early on as Jesse Ventura says Coco's mask makes him look like an Oreo. And I'll just leave that there, Jesse. Continuing on with the match, Jim Brunzel winds up getting worked over in the heel corner as Steve Lombardi, though, eventually runs into a high knee from Jumping Jim, and it's hot tag time to be Brian Blair. Doherty tags in also on his side, leading to the Bees with a double backdrop on the Duke of Dorchester, and then Coco comes in with the Ghostbuster. Gonna pick up the win here over Doherty in 2 minutes and 52 seconds. On commentary, Jesse Ventura says he would like to have seen a double dropkick from Coco Beware and Jim Brunzel. Me too, Jess. And just another throwaway match this week. Second six-man tag team on this episode alone, just to give the guys some TV time. It was fun enough, though, and I like the addition of the masks this week. The Bees and Coco Beware looked really cool as a trio. And the action continues on feature match time, one-on-one. It's Davy Boy Smith, accompanied to the ring by the Dynamite Kid and Matilda the Bulldog, taking on co-holder of the WWF Tag Team titles, Brett the Hitman Hart, along with the Anvil, and Jimmy Hart on his side. On commentary, Ventura says he got defleed after carrying Matilda away from the ring at WrestleMania 3. Bruno Sammartino chimes in. He says Matilda also got a shot after being handled by Jesse Ventura. Ha! Even Bruno getting in on the jokes this week. Ventura then tells Bruno to keep quiet until the replays. I wrote LOL. Fun comeback by Jesse Ventura there. Poor Bruno. And the match itself starts off fast. Davy Boy plows Brett over, blasting him 
with a running tackle at 100 miles an hour, sends the hitman through the ropes and out to the floor. Then back inside, Davy Boy eventually runs into a heart knee in the gut, and the hitman begins to pick him apart. Davy at one point tries the crucifix, but the hitman counters into a Samoan drop of sorts to remain in control. From there, Hart tries an Irish whip on Davy Boy into the corner, but Smith is up and over. Bret Hart missing the charge, and Smith takes over control, driving the hitman. Irish whip hard, sternum first into the buckle. That nasty chest bump Bret always took in the corner. No different here this week. And from there, Davy Boy with a big clothesline, which brings the anvil up onto the apron, but the dynamite kid around ringside to yank Neidhart down. And then it's the two Dynamite and Neidhart fighting on the floor at ringside. In the ring, Bret Hart nails a dropkick, and he tries for a backbreaker, but Davy Boy uses the momentum to backflip through the maneuver, land on his feet, countering with a running power slam. And the British Bulldogs, Davy Boy Smith, picks up the win over the Hitman in 3 minutes and 44 seconds. Post-match, Jimmy Hart tries to attack Smith with the megaphone, but Davy catches him and corners him. But it's dangerous Danny Davis heading down to the ring, attacking Smith from behind. As Dynamite and the Anvil continue to brawl on the floor, the Hitman holds Smith down for Davis to lay in the boots in the ring. Dynamite finally end a check on Davy Boy while the tag team champions run off. Bastards. Nevertheless, Smith with a clean win, 1-2-3, over the Hitman here this week, keeping the dogs in firm grasp of another title shot. Unfortunately, with Dynamite unable to do much, they're running on fumes here. As we're off to Mean Gene Okerlund yet again, this time standing by with the Intercontinental Champion, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. All right, ladies and gentlemen, get ready. I want to introduce one of the great champions here in the World Wrestling Federation. Not only a great champion, but a great individual, a very talented man. May I bring in, please, from Hawaii, the new Intercontinental Champion of the World, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And a lot of great things, Ricky, are happening to you right now in your, your professional and your personal life. By the way, I understand that congratulations are in order for you and your wife, Bonnie. You know something, Gene, thank you very much. <clears throat> I'm sure a lot of the people have seen it on television. Now, the announcement has been made. I'm expecting my first child. Uh, it's going to be sometime around the first week of July. And through the, the miracle of medicine, I also find out I'm going to have a son. Well, congratulations, as I said before. Also, March the 29th, 1987, in WrestleMania three at the Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan, in front of over 93,000 people, a big, big victory for you. You know, it was the biggest day of my life, Gene, and I'm sure it was a big day for a lot of the athletes that were there that particular evening. For myself, Gene, this was a dream, a dream come true. Ending the year of 1986 was like a nightmare, being injured, being hurt, intentional by the hands of Randy Savage coming off the top rope with that 20-pound bell on my throat. I never thought that my career would even come close to where it's at now, and that, that is right on top. You know, the one thing I should point out, however, uh, Ricky Steamboat, the fact that Randy Savage has taken a little bit uh, away from this tremendous title that you hold because in his mind, and he's trying to, I guess, uh, put a little propaganda out to the great folks uh, across the country and around the world, that, that it was not a clear-cut victory. I disagree with that, by the way. You know, it's not to mean, Gene, there isn't anything he can say, there isn't a thing that he can do to spoil my moment of glory. My one split second, and that split second was the third count. I heard the referee go, one, two, oh, dear God, is it going to be three? And there it was. 
And right then and there, I knew I was going to be the champion. All right, I would have to say that the, the celebrating, basking in the glory of your tremendous victory at WrestleMania 3, that is over now because you must go to work. You now must defend that coveted intercontinental title. And the first name that pops up when you talk to promoters or matchmakers around the country is Macho Man Randy Savage. Well, without a doubt, when you have a new champion uh, with the obligations to the former champion, Randy Savage, I'm not taking a back seat to anyone. I'm not going to be a so-called closet champion. Any contract that you bring up to Mr. Tunney, the president, any stipulation you want to put in red, bold letters, brother, I'll sign it. Cage matches, no disqualification, anything goes and everything under the, including the kitchen sink, I'll be there. All right, I thank you very much. Here's something else. Brandon Winter, Continental Champion of the World. He's got his work cut out for him. Here's Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat. The steamer having a son, a little dragon. Coming into this world very soon, the end of 1986 was a nightmare for Ricky, but a dream come true at WrestleMania number three. Steamer says now it's time to go to work and defend the title, and the first name on the list, the former champion, the macho man Randy Savage. And as we conclude this edition of Superstars, we heard the challenge issued earlier in the program. Bobby Heenan challenging Kim Patera to a match with the mighty Hercules here next week. Let's get the response of Ken Patera. Bobby Heenan, I can't wait to accept the challenge of Hercules, the man, the so-called man that you call the world's strongest wrestler. When I was in the Olympic Games in Munich, Germany, I didn't see Hercules. I didn't see him lift 500 pounds over his head. But I want to know if I've lost it or not. I want to get in the ring and feel the strength of this man to see who is really the strongest wrestler in the world today. And believe it or not, Hercules, I will be there next week. The acceptance, yes indeed, has been granted. Ken Patera spurring off against Hercules Hernandez one-on-one right here next week on the Superstars of Wrestling. All right, and Kenny talking the so-called world's strongest man, Hercules. Patera says he didn't see Hercules in Munich lifting 500 pounds over his head. Kim Patera then accepting the challenge. He will be there next week, one-on-one, to take on the mighty Hercules here on Superstars. As we move on to the following day, Wrestling Challenge, May the 10th, taped back April 24th, New Haven, Connecticut. At the Coliseum, it's Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby... No, Bobby's still not here. I said he'd be back this week. I was wrong, guys. Instead, in Heenan's absence, it's the outlaw Ron Bass, Gorilla Monsoon, and outlaw Ron Bass on commentary. As we head to the ring, former Intercontinental Champion Macho Man Randy Savage with the lovely Elizabeth in his corner, taking on Nick Kaniski here this week. As we get an insert promo from the lovely Liz, she says that every day that goes by, Randy Savage is becoming more and more upset. Jeez, I feel sorry for Liz. 
Of course, Savage upset. He is no longer the IC champion. As we get to the action, Kaniski, wiser than most, exits the ring as Savage tries to attack at the beginning of the match. Nick clearly studying his tapes. Papa Kaniski didn't raise no fool. Then back inside, Nick with some nice wrestling holds and throws on the Macho Man early. Big scoop slam. Kaniski even reversing a hip toss and a drop kick. Sends the Macho Man out of the ring and to the floor. Looking good here for this second generation star out of Canada. But Savage, though, hides behind Elizabeth for just a split second, throwing Kaniski off. And Nick winds up missing a charge into the corner. And the Macho Man with a clothesline sends Nick over the top rope and out to the floor. Savage then up to the top rope, double axe handle off the top to the outside. Then back in the ring, the Macho Man with a body slam, putting Kaniski in place for the flying elbow. And Randy Savage going to pick up the win here in 2 minutes and 15 seconds. Really fun match. Almost all Kaniski who had the look, the background, the pedigree. But rumors are he just didn't want it. As bad as his brother Kelly anyway, who ironically never made it to the big time. As we're off to wrestler's rebuttal, we get a glimpse of Jimmy Hart looking at the new WWE magazine. He's upset at the way he looks in his picture with a, what else but a WWF ice cream bar. Then it's back to the ring for a tag team encounter. Jacques and Raymond, the fabulous Rougeau brothers, taking on Axe and Smash of Demolition. Mr. Fuji in their corner. On commentary, Gorilla Monsoon puts over the importance for the winner of this matchup in the tag team division. The Rougeaus, double teaming early on, has the Demolition on the swivel. Probably the most fun the Rougeaus have looked thus far for me here in 1987. Using the speed, agility, the double team work to take on the 300-pound monsters here. But Jacques winds up in the wrong corner, and we get a four-way melee. And the Demolition whipped into each other. Stereo dropkicks from the Rougeos send both Demolition to the floor. The Rougeos follow him to the outside, brawling on the floor, all four men, and the bell sounds. What? No. It was just getting going, guys. Double count out in two minutes and seven seconds. Boo. Demolition clear the ring of the baby faces. After the match, the Rougeos want back inside, but referee Happy Jack Kruger keeping them at bay. So two minutes this match gets. Really unfortunate. I was really enjoying Demolition versus Babyface Rougeos. As I already pointed out, probably the best the Rougeos have looked thus far to me anyway. I'd like to see this in long form down the road perhaps sometime. As we're off to yet another promo, this time Mean Gene standing by with Ho! Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. I am a proud American, and I certainly share that pride with this individual. He's from Glen Falls, New York. I'd like to bring in at this time Hacksaw. Don't be sneaking in on me. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Come on in if you would, please. I'm just looking around, Gene. Gotta keep my eye open. No telling where. Hey, well, I thought that was a Russian over there. No telling where to show up. So I always keep my two-by-four right here at hand. You know, the one thing that I've noticed, you become really disenchanted when you hear Nikolai Volkov spew forth with the Russian nasty. You can't stand it, can you? I don't like it. You? Not only can he sing worth it. But he's not standing, he is, excuse me, he is standing on USA soil. He is standing in one of our fine buildings throughout the country. He is holding up that Russian flag, and he is bellering out some kind of thing, putting over, putting over how good Russia's doing. You know, he also has a sidekick by the name of the Iron Sheik. I know you're not too fond of him either, Hacksaw. He's another guy over here, smiling, twisting his mustache, patting his belly, 
showing his muscles and sticking money, hard-earned, earned USA bucks in his back pocket over here waving that Iranian flag. And baby, everybody knows about the days that the Americans were held hostage over there. But folks, how many of us have forgotten the guys that gave their lives when they pulled off that rescue that got kind of messed up. We forgot about them. Well, Hacksaw Jen Duggan hasn't forgotten. And Sheik, baby, I'm going to keep reminding you every time I see it, tough guy. All right, I thank you very much, Hacksaw. Jim Duggan <laughs> has got his eyes on a couple of individuals here in the World Wrestling Federation, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. What a pair they are. Fans, stay tuned. We're going to be right back after this. And it's the same old song and dance here. Duggan continues his bad-mouthing of the evil foreigner Sheik and Volkov going to carry his two by four at all times moving forward tough guy from there we go back to the ring well no we don't here on challenge it's back to the may 2nd edition of superstars we see brutus beefcake defeating luscious johnny v cutting his hair the match shown in its entirety here from last week's episode of superstars so we're off to yet another promo we just heard from hacksaw jim duggan now let's hear from the other side it's mean gene standing by with Arshik. Yalla. All right, fans, stay tuned. More exciting action right around the corner. Folks, one of the great ones here in the World Wrestling Federation, I wouldn't say by any stretch of the imagination, one of the most popular in the World Wrestling Federation, but he is a former tag team champion, a former world champion. As an amateur, he was in the Pan Am Games in the Olympics. Come on, if you would, please. From Tehran, Iran, please, the Iron Sheik. Welcome once again to the World Wrestling Federation. Well, thank you very much, Jin Min, intelligent American like yourself, like a lot of young kids that been in school. The teacher taught him how to grow up to be intelligent like the Aaron Sheik from all this country in the world, or how to be the champion. Good example for the young generation in America, anywhere I go from John F. Kennedy Airport to the Olympic City, Los Angeles, California. People like yourself, intelligent, you remind me, all countrymen, you businessmen that tell me, Sheik, welcome to the America. But, but, but jealous people, sick people, they never been library, they never study. For example, like double, what I call double, double eyes, double Christ as Duke Dugan, Duke Dugan. No, 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 no. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, I'm sorry, my English is not that much good. I know even his name, I'm already getting excited. Every intelligent American that saw it. In the wrestling in Mario number three, I put his one of a neighbor, that punk, Jim Baranzella, in the camel clutch, and he hit me by two and four or by four I, and two. Whatever. No, 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 that's a two by four board is what it is. Exactly. But remember, Mr. Dugan, sooner or late, Duggan. Duggan, sooner or late, on the road, you're going to see the arrow shake. Cameraman, look at me. Yes, I thank you very much. She is the Iron Sheik. Thank you. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. And I love Sheiky's promos here on Jim Duggan. Double eyes, double cross, Duke Dugan, Duke Dugan. Mean Gene having to repeatedly correct Iron Sheik that it is Jim Duggan, not Dugan. And you can tell Mean Gene was having a little fun there. And if you listen to the promo, Sheiky gets it right for once here. He says it was Jim Brunzel that he had in the Kama Clutch. At WrestleMania 3, not Brian Blair, that no good punk motherfuck. Break his back, fuck his ass, make him humble. Yalla, Arn Sheik, former AAU champion, former WWF champion. Yalla. Can't get enough of Sheiky Baby. 
but unfortunately he won't be around much longer here. Back to the ring, six-man tag team action sees Tito Santana teaming up with Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers this week, taking on the interesting trio of Cowboy Bob Orton, the Magnificent Morocco, and Tiger Chung Lee. And no Mr. Fuji at ringside, which is telling here that again, so is teaming with Tiger Chung Lee, who was also a former partner of Fuji, briefly, for they had a falling out. Anyways, we get to the action. It's Roma and Powers. They're working the arm of Bob Orton early in the matchup. Powers even busting out a steamboat-style arm drag or two. Very impressive, Jimmy Powers. But Powers runs into an Orton dropkick, and Morocco tags in to take control for the heels. Morocco hooks Powers in a full Nelson so that Tiger Chung Lee can take a cheap shot. Tiger unloads with a nasty chop, but Powers ducks, and Lee nails Morocco instead, his own partner. An upset Don Morocco tags Tiger into the match, and then Orton and Morocco leave ringside leaving Tiger Chung Lee all alone versus his three opponents here. Santana finally tags into the matchup, unloads on Tiger before the flying forearm picks up the win for Roma, Powers, and Tito Santana in two minutes and 40 seconds. Interesting match there on a lot of levels as we're off to another edition of the Snake Pit. This week's guests, Mr. Fuji and Killer Khan. Jake Roberts puts over Fuji, acquiring Demolition and Kamala, and now, Killer Khan as well. Hey, don't forget about Sika, Jake. Jake says Fuji's not acquiring beauty contestants here. Fuji says he doesn't care what his men look like as long as they get the job done in the ring. He wants his soul and his spirit in his men. Make them vicious. Then we get some weird conversations here. Jake says if Fuji gives his soul to his wrestlers, then that means he can lose his own life. Because you see, when you throw mud at your target, whether you hit it or you miss it, you wind up with a dirty hand. Hmm. Interesting. Fuji refers to Jake from there as Confucius in his wise words. And Jake and Fuji seem to get along talking evil, devils, and shit. Can't say that I'm surprised. As we head back to the May 2nd edition of Superstars again here this week on Challenge, we go back to the great debate between Ken Patera and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Once again, shown in its entirety here, we see Heenan attacking Patera leading to Kenny wrapping that belt around the throat of Heenan and giving it a big yank as he whipped him across the ring. Bobby Heenan now with a sprained neck because of this incident. And after the footage, the show rolls on. Mean Gene standing by with Bobby Heenan in a neck brace. Heenan says if he has to get his entire Heenan family after Patera, he will see to it that Kim Patera suffers. Sorry, wrong manager. Bobby Heenan will see to it that Kim Patera suffers. Then back to the ring, they promoted this last week. Should be interesting. George the Animal Steel going one-on-one -on -one with the Hockey Talk Man. All right, and Honky Tonk out first with manager Colonel Jimmy Hart. George Steele not far behind, so he actually enters to the Honky Tonk man's music as well. Both men entering to Honky's music here this week, and it makes sense with George Steele. Honky does a little dancing for the animal in the ring, but Steele doesn't seem to like it. 
chasing Honky Tonk Man out of the ring, around ringside, back into the ring, through the ring, and Honky drops his guitar at this point. Uh-oh. Steel picking up the guitar. Is he going to do a little tune? No. Steel with the guitar chasing Honky back again around ringside. Honky trips and falls. As George Steele reaches back, cocks back with the guitar, Honky out of the way just in time as George unloads and smashes the guitar into a million pieces across the ring steps. Ooh. Somehow, George Steele gets disqualified for this after just 23 seconds of, I guess you can call it action. So George Steele chasing Honky up the aisle after the matchup and then the animal wandering back to the ring for a little turnbuckle snack after the fact. Honky Tonk Man going to get the disqualification win after 23 seconds. Not a single bit of contact made in this match. Wow. What was the point of this? And we've got another promo lined up this time. Mean Gene Oakland standing by. Well, it's the infamous cream of the crop promo with the macho man Randy Savage. You know, so many things happening here in the World Wrestling Federation. WrestleMania 3, March the 29th, 1987, a day that's going to go down in history. The largest crowd ever to eyewitness an indoor sporting or entertainment event. 93,173, the official figure attending. WrestleMania 3 at the Silver Dome in Pontiac, Michigan. It's a day that I'm certain my guest at this time will not forget. I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man Randy Savage. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. Macho Madness, yeah, has got more to offer than President Jack Tunney thinks that I got. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something right now. Cards stacked against the Macho Man Randy Savage in WrestleMania 3. Yeah, let me say it, yeah. Let me say it out. Loud. And let me point to the president of the World Wrestling Federation. The Macho Man Randy Savage is not happy with your decision. Yeah, I am the cream in the World Wrestling Federation. Wait, wait a minute, and there is no doubt about it. Yeah, you mean Gene Oakland. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Wait, wait a minute, though, Randy. I've got to ask you very seriously. Do you blame Mr. Jack Tunney, the distinguished president of the World Wrestling Federation, for Ricky Steamboat being the Intercontinental Champion today? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Outside interference here. Yeah. In my moment of glory. Yeah, now I'm living in a nightmare. And I am the cream. And now, not only the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship belt must fall, but the World Heavyweight Championship belt. Because Hulk Hogan, yeah, I am the cream, yeah, the cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better than the macho man Randy Savage. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. I'm better than you are, yeah. And I'm talking to everyone in the World Wrestling Federation. And I'm even talking... President Jack Tunney, yeah, I'm on my way, and nothing is going to stop me. Nothing's going to stop me. You know, just out of curiosity, Randy, and I certainly don't want to diminish your tremendous uh, God-given talents, but but I'm very curious. I haven't seen Elizabeth lately. Yeah, she's on the outside of the ring. Does she interfere in matches? Yeah. Nothing zero, yeah. Pure athlete, yeah. And I've been, uh, yeah, maligned. From the top to the bottom. And because they can't handle the macho man Randy Savage. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. 
All right, a couple of men that he's going to be watching very closely, Ricky Steamboat, and most assuredly, the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan. I thank you, Macho Man Randy Savage. Awesome promo. Randy Savage repeatedly pulling little creamer cups out of thin air, it would seem. Savage deserves not only the Intercontinental title, but he argues he also deserves Hulk Hogan's WWF championship as well. Dig it. Aha. Uh-huh. This promo going to be up on our YouTube soon. It has to be seen to really be appreciated. Classic shit here by the Macho Man. As wrestling challenge comes to an end, we learn that next week, we will have not one, not two, but three feature matches here next week on Challenge. It's the Battle of the Baby Faces here next week as the Islanders go at it with the Killer Bees. Also, Outback Jack, scheduled to take on Killer Khan. Can't wait to see how that plays out. And the big feature match, will see Intercontinental Champion Ricky the Dragon Steamboat taking on the Natural Butchery. Let's hear from both sides. First from the Champion the Dragon, and then from the Natural. You know something, ladies and gentlemen, ever since I became the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, everybody's been knocking on the door wanting to wrestle me. Well, next week, I've got the Natural, Butch Reed, climbing in the ring. And you know something, Mr. Natural? This dragon can burn some fire, and that's all natural. You know something, Slick? WWF is getting smart. One-on-one, me and the dragon, Ricky Steamboat. Let me tell you, Ricky Steamboat, I heard you talking about everybody knocking on the door. But boy, the natural's not only gonna knock on it, I'm gonna knock it in, and I'm gonna knock you out right along with it. What you think about that, Slick, man? And I am the fireman, too, boy. Hello, Ron Bass. Thank you for joining me here, filling in for the wrong neck of Bobby DeBrain Heenan. So until next week, everyone, Gorilla Monsoon saying so long. And Steamer says his fire is all natural. But Reed, Reed says he ain't knocking on the door. He's knocking down the door here next week against the Intercontinental Champion. So this week on Challenge, we had two, count them, two feature matches. They go for a total of only three minutes and no finish in either one. Also, Outlaw Ron Bass on commentary. There was no Bobby Heenan again here this week. I do promise he will return next week, guys. But to me, Ron Bass, it was just background noise for the show. It didn't make it any better or any worse. So it was fine for me for a one-off. No big deal this week. Bobby Heenan still selling that injured neck. As we move on to WWF Primetime Wrestling for May the 11th, hosted by Gorilla Monsoon and a returning Bobby the Brain Heenan. I'm Gorilla Monsoon. And I'm Hurt. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Primetime Wrestling once again, where we feature the superstars of the World Wrestling Federation, and you are indeed Hurt. Yes, I am. Well, serves you right for all. Doesn't serve me mind. right yes, at all. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Not when I'm dealing with a, with, with a convict. Not when I'm dealing with that kind of low life of humanity that walks this earth. Hey, this guy paid his debt to society. He's a free man. Now he can do whatever he uh, more or less oh, wants to do. Oh, that's right. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can decapitate a person. 
He can do whatever. The man's a savage animal. He doesn't belong walking the streets of this earth. If I'm not mistaken, uh, we, we viewed that particular footage of that uh, debate uh, last week, and it was you who instigated it. <laughs> it was you who made the first move. It was you who attacked Patera. That's correct. Well, what you expect? And I, and I just uh, went off the deep end. to crumble and fall no, to his no, knees? No, no, but the man is able to... I mean, the man's twice the size of me. The man's a... a you attacked a, him with a weapon, foreign object. You lost your cool, didn't you? Admit it. Yes, I did. You, you, and you and at the suffered height, the consequences. Oh, but I don't think what I did deserved what happened to me. Oh, I do. And, uh, sure, you would. I'm sitting at home in Beverly Hills. I'm trying to relax. I'm waiting for my uh, neurosurgeon to call. I... We're also going to take a look at the Honky Tonk Man against George the Animal Steel. Tremendous matchup. There's a lot of people here should be behind bars. Why do you keep referring back to Ken Patera? You have a psychological problem with an A. Yes, Patera. yes I do. I've never been this injured in my the life. The nightmare is not over yet either. No, it isn't. So Bobby Heenan returns to TV with a neck brace now. And I love the opening. I'm Gorilla Monsoon, and I'm hurt. I wrote LMAO. Bobby always did the most with the simplest of things. And they discuss the issues between Heenan and Kim Patera during that debate. Gorilla says that Bobby lost his cool. For that, he suffered the consequences. Heenan doesn't think he deserved it, however. Well, you did take your belts off and begin... Never mind. As the show goes on, you better believe that the brain has more to say about his injured neck. We're back, folks. We're about to go to the Philadelphia Spectrum and a, a very interesting match that took place long before WrestleMania even went down. You, maybe you, I told you you need brandy in there. I don't want any brandy in there. What? what uh, you, you having trouble yes, with Yes, I'm throat? having a lot of trouble. It hurts me to turn. Would you like me to sit over there or somewhere? I'd or? rather you sit out back in the car. Out back in the car. It's in a, a garage tremendous. with the motor running. <laughs> what We're going like. to go right now back to the Philadelphia Could I get a chair with a high back? Something this decent? Up with Something Paul like Roma Mr. against Swagger Steve Lombardi. So Grill Monsoon keeps trying to push brandy on Bobby Heenan here on this episode. Maybe uh, dull the pain a little bit. But I wrote, LOL, Bobby Heenan wanting Gorilla to go sit in a car with the motor running. Even gets a chuckle from the production staff there, if you guys heard it. Just more classic stuff that in any other world would be throwaway. But he makes it work here on Primetime Wrestling. And as the show goes on, at one point, Bobby Heenan asking Gorilla Monsoon for a pin. But as Gorilla reaches over and hands Bobby the pin, well, it drops on the floor. Both men bend down at the same time to pick it up and boom, they bump heads. You'd, you'd worry about if his name was Patera, though, would Yes, I would. Yeah, you Can certainly... I pen for a second? Well, you're not going to write a check or something, are you? No, I'm not. Oh, uh, Correct highly, something. Uh, highly unlikely that the brain would be writing too many checks. Oh, I'll get the... Oh! Oh! What is it with you? What is the matter with you? <laughs> Trying to do you a favor? Drop my pen on the floor? Oh. What do you want? You want me to be wearing a neck brace, too? You're a sick person, brain. Are you all right? No, I'm not all right. Oh, you're not all right. He's obviously not all right. little collision of the cranium is here, accidentally, of course. Now you're upset, right? Now I'm going to have problems Can with somebody you. get me a co-host? That's <laughs> not clumsy we'll, and out to we'll kill me. back in a moment. So Gorilla having a little fun there with that one. The two men cracking heads. Bobby feeling the pain in that injured neck as well. And speaking of the brain's injury, it seems like we're doing a lot of that here this week on Primetime. Bobby Heenan and Gorilla discuss the doctor's diagnosis of his injured neck. Ken Patera, obviously in my book, is not afraid of anyone, including uh, Hercules Hernandez. Well, he well, what did the be. doctor exactly say? What's uh, okay, sprained well, first, neck? That doesn't tell me anything. I'm trying to tell you something. Okay, I'll keep quiet. My physician, a neurosurgeon, is in Europe. I'm waiting for him to return. You know, it's not easy to get a hold of people in Europe. 
the people I've gone to, these ambulance-chasing quacks that the World Wrestling Federation sent in to view me. What is the injury? A sprained neck. Let's get violent about it. Right now, let's go to the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty. He takes on Sika. So as of now, Bobby Heenan has a sprained neck, according to the WWF quacks anyway. Bobby's neurosurgeon is in Europe right now, so Bobby doesn't have a definitive answer just yet. Let me tell you guys something. I got in a ring with a bull once. Yes, a real live bull. And I got plowed by that bull. Not once, but twice. And then trampled. One of the many injuries I sustained coming out of that thing was a sprained neck. Let me tell you, that's no joke. But primetime rolls on. We go back to Saturday night's main event from May the 2nd. We see the matchup between Hercules challenging IC champion Ricky Steamboat. It looks like Hercules may have the match won with the full Nelson when the Macho Man, of all people, shows up at ringside grabbing the foot of Hercules to distract him forcing him to release that full Nelson in order to prevent Hercules from winning the title. You see, the Macho Man wants to be the one to take the belt off the dragon. We come back from clips of that. We listen to Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan discussing the Macho Man's interference on a member of the Heenan family. I can't believe what's going down in part of that Saturday night main event. What did you think when you saw him come running out there and grab Hercules by the leg? Well, I, I, thought, he, I thought he grabbed the wrong man. I thought he was grabbing Steamboat. But then I realized what happened. Savage doesn't want anybody on the face of this earth to beat Steamboat that's, but himself. That's obvious. That's obvious. Okay, and I, I was very upset with the man, but I can understand how he feels about a low life like uh, Even though a dragon. move like that could cost Herc the match. What can I do? What can you do? You're the manager. You're supposed to know what to do. Let's go back to the match. Wow. Can you believe that? What a despicable individual. Not only uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, but you. Is that what you do? Is that your... A modus operandi, when you can't beat someone, you throw the chain in, is that it? I have a new philosophy in life. That when the officiating gets so bad, which I have been a very, very bad victim of lately, WrestleMania and just this match, when the, officiator, the officials can't control things, I'm going to take things into my own hand. Regardless of the it, cost. Regardless of the cost. You want to find me, I'll pay it. You want to suspend me, try it. I got a group of attorneys that just work constantly on retainers just for me. That chain's coming in the ring. There's going to be people carried out. If it starts with Steamboat and ends with Patera and Hogan and the rest of them, I don't care anymore. I'm tired of being ridiculed and made a fool of. I'm tired of having to wear this thing and being in the pain I'm in all the way down from my neck to my spine. I'm sick and tired of it. Maybe we'll just have the chain brought back to the locker room when the, before the match gets underway. Actually, uh, Hercules uh, must have been watching the footage of the debate because he uh, did exactly the same thing that Patera did, Joe. We'll be back in a moment. So at first, Heenan thought that maybe Macho inadvertently grabbed Hercules. Maybe he was intending Steamboat, but then... The brain realized what Savage was doing, but what you gonna do? It's the Macho Man. Bobby also says his new philosophy after being screwed at WrestleMania the main event, he's gonna take things into his own hands around here. He's gonna start throwing chains into the ring. He's tired of being taken advantage of. With all the baby faces getting away with murder as of late, I can't say that I blame him. And as prime time rolls on, we have the Honky Tonk Man coming up on the show. Gorilla Monsoon wants to ban the Shake, Rattle, and Roll. Over where? What? Over there. Can you turn to the right a little bit? Yeah, if you tell me, you just keep switching cameras. <laughs> Coming up a very unusual... You know, the crew you have here is living proof that you can read a book of matches and get an education in television. No, they, they resent that remark. Tell me, tell you me of all people. There. Special Georgie. match coming up. Go ahead. Go ahead. The honky-tonk man. Sure, stand-up guy. George Animal Steel. 
I'm starting a new petition. Ban the shake, rattle, and roll, it's called. I'm starting one, too. Okay, what is it? Ban the gorilla. <laughs> Ban the gorilla. <laughs> uh, you talk. I don't want to talk anymore. It hurts. Oh, you should keep quiet. Joshua. I'll have Ken Patera come in here and host the program. How would that be? Let's I'm go the host. George the Animal Steel against the Honky Tonk Man, and you can bet the colonel will be there. So Honky wants to ban the DDT. Gorilla wanted to ban the shake, rattle, and roll. And Bobby Heenan, he's going to start his own campaign. Ban the gorilla. I love it. And the ranting continues here on Primetime. Bobby Heenan talking about what's wrong with the World Wrestling Federation today. Incidentally, I don't appreciate you sending out that motor mouth outlaw Ron Bass, that fountain of misinformation because you couldn't make it because of your injury. Being the host, Carson gets to pick who he wants. I'm, I select who I want to take my place if I can't make it. You're, the, you're not the host. I am the host. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What am I going to do with you, Brain? What's happening here in the World Wrestling Federation? You got guys that are coming out of stir like Patera that are crippling people. You got guys like George Animal Steel that are smashing people's property. You got guys like Beefcake that are taking it upon themselves to cut people's hair. You got bad officiating like what went down with WrestleMania Gate. That's what I'm calling. You're still crying about that, aren't you? Yes, I am. Now, there's a lot of things that are happening, but nobody seems to take any authority. What's the matter, Tony? Is the job a little too much for you? Maybe you should just hang around your World Wrestling Federation president's office and empty the waste paper can or wash the windows. Maybe I should run for president of the World Wrestling Federation. You and the body have been complaining like crazy of late with the officiating. What's wrong with you guys? There's nobody to Whenever control things here. Whenever doesn't go your way, right away you're complaining. This almost ended my career, not only my life. Referee had nothing to do with that. No, but I'm saying, Patera should have never been allowed to come back to the World Wrestling Federation. He still should be eating off tin plates. He still should be making your license plates. He still should be having cigarettes bribing the screws, not putting his hands on me. We'll be back. So you got Patera crippling people, George Steele smashing guitars, as we discussed in that match with the Honky Tonk Man from Wrestling Challenge, Brutus Beefcake now cutting people's hair. Bad officiating, a la WrestleMania Gate. I had to laugh at that one. Another LMAO for me, WrestleMania Gate, says Bobby Eaton. I love it. I wish they had rolled with that a little longer. As we close out this edition of Primetime, we've got one more soundbite queued up. Yes, it's even more about the pain of the brain. He's been preaching. Anytime you can get a victory, take it. But no, you're always for the uh, Lone Ranger and Tonto and the... What now? What do you got against the Lone How long do you have to wear this... Horse collar you got on now. What happens if you take it off? Do you sleep with it on? Yes, I do. You do? I have pain not only going from my neck, but it goes into my back. It does. How yes, far does. down? Right to the uh, Gorilla Monsoon bone, where I usually get the biggest Coxus. pain. Coxus bone. You? Whatever. You're in a lot of pain, aren't you? Yes, I am. You deserve to be in a lot of pain. No, I don't you, deserve to be in any pain. You a lot of pain for everybody. So Bobby Heenan talks about that pain in his neck. It goes all the way down his back into his... Gorilla Bone, as in the pain in his ass, Gorilla Monsoon. Monsoon chimes in, as he always does with the Anatomy 101 here, the coccyx bone. Ah, uh, yes, Anatomy 101 with Gorilla Monsoon. Also on this May 11th edition of Primetime Wrestling, we got a Primetime exclusive featuring the Rougeau brothers, defeating the team of the Magnificent Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton on a disqualification. Good little matchup, went a little long. That was taped back on April 23rd at the Wooster Centrum. It was Jesse Ventura and Bruno San Martino on commentary for that bout. 
I expect to add that one to our YouTube channel before too long. As we move into the next weekend of TV, it's Superstars for May the 16th. Also tape back April 23rd, Wooster Mass at the Centrum, Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno San Martino on commentary, and it's off to the ring. Big tag team action here. We saw Demolition last week take on the team of the Rougeau brothers here this week on Superstars. The demos and action, Fuji in their corner, taking on Haku and Tama, the Islanders. And this just looks badass on paper. Some really tough mofos in this one. As the match gets going, we get an insert promo from Demolition, promising to demolish anyone who gets in their way. Then back to the ring, Haku goes to work on Axe with some nasty chops and quick tags by the Islanders to maintain the offense early on. Tama, though, winds up in the heel corner and the Demolition takeover. Haku, though, tags back in eventually, and Demolition, well, they remain in control. First working over Tama, now taking down Haku. That is until Smash runs into a Haku thrust kick. There ain't no better. And even the 300-pound Smash goes down from the Haku kick of doom, that kick of fear, if you will, and the Islanders double-teaming Smash from their stereo-jumping headbutts. But Demolition acts in to break up the count, and all four men now in the ring, the referee trying to separate Axe and Haku, is Tama, goes to the top rope, looking for that flying splash to finish Smash off with that diving splash once and for all, but Mr. Fuji up on the apron, tripping up Tama with his cane, and a nasty bump by Tama off the top rope into the middle of the ring, Smash then capitalizes, dropping an elbow on Tama, and Demolition gonna steal the win here in just 3 minutes and 49 seconds, another fun match this week with Demolition. They are really clicking in quick order. And Axe and Smash, another win over the many WWF tag teams. And right here on syndicated TV, as they continue to be built up as a top challenger. And the Islanders, they do the job, but bigger things ahead for both teams here in the World Wrestling Federation as we're off to update. And Craig DeGeorge, as he has a word with Bobby the Brain Heenan and the King, Harley Race. From the pages of the World Wrestling Federation magazine, here's Update with Craig DeGeorge. And hi, everyone. All right, the word is out. Another member of the Heenan family says he's ready to become the new champion in the World Wrestling Federation. And isn't it ironic, though, that Harley Race has been telling us for some time now that he already is the king of wrestling. Race, fresh off his somewhat impressive outing in WrestleMania 3, he beat the Junkyard Dog with help from that blonde-headed ringside helper of his. And under these stipulations, the dog, of course, bowed to the king. And Ray says it will not end there. The king says everybody is going to bow, and he means everybody. WrestleMania 3, Junkyard Dog bowed and kneeled at the feet of the king. I am royalty, and royalty will have its place. Hawk Hogan even you are going to bow and kneel before the king, the king of all wrestling. Can you imagine that? The proud hoaxer at the feet of Harley Race? Well, with Heenan behind him, I guess you never do know, do you? With Update, I'm Craig DeGeorge. All right, and there you have it. Royalty will have its place. Even the WWF champion, Hulk Hogan, will bow and kneel before the king. Harley Race gunning. For that World Wrestling Federation Championship, we talked all about those matches with Hogan throughout the month of May on the house shows on last episode, episode 80 of The Grenade. Go back and check it out there as Ricky Steamboat discovers that 
that he has his own face on a WWF ice cream bar. Gonna be honest, was waiting for a bad pun here about his fire melting the ice cream, but we didn't get that. So it's back to the ring. Ho! Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Maybe one of his last matches here on TV for a while. Taking on Dave Barbie. As we get an insert promo from last week, Slick, quote-unquote, singing the Russian national anthem here. Ho! Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno Sammartino all find Jim Duggan's hoeing unusual. Nothing quite like him, the announcers say. Duggan dominating Barbie here. Barbie usually gets in a few shots. The announcers even point that out on commentary. But Duggan dominates and lands the wind-up body slam before the three-point stance clothesline picks up the win. Duggan's still leaving his feet, so the move looks like a legit finisher here. Duggan scoring the win in 2 minutes and 49 seconds. And Hacksaw appears to leave ringside, but returns and says he wants Volkov, Sheik, and Slick to hear one voice. And that is the entire voice of the fans, the entire voice of America here tonight. As Duggan leads the fans and sings America the Beautiful before a giant, and I do mean giant, USA chant. Duggan getting more and more over by the day. Unfortunately, well, you know. And it is just insane how over Hacksaw was in short fashion. His USA chants, the fans hoeing back multiple times throughout the match. In fact, Duggan did it more than usual here because of the loud crowd response. You could tell that Duggan was feeding off the fans, and they're even louder here in 87 than they'd be in some of the later years, believe it or not. And the fans have always engaged with Hacksaw, but here in this initial run, they are just absolutely eating it up. And it's promo time yet again. Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with a brand new luscious Johnny V. Hi, get everybody. Mean Gene Okerlund. Thank you for joining us, Johnny. Va- Johnny, luscious Johnny V. My word, I can't believe this. This is a a new you touch. I talk a root canal problem there or something. You're oh. kind of I talked to my barber to the problem, if I were baby. you. I talked to the barber. Have a problem. Remind me of a dentist I know one time used to hang around at LaGuardia Airport. Doctor, go ahead. Lay it Johnny, on me, Johnny V. The world knows now what happened to you at the hands of your former tag team champion, <laughs> Brutus the Barber Beefcake. He's, he's a lousy barber, too, I might add. Let me just tell you something. He's going to get his. There's no doubt about it. Let me tell you something, Brutus Beefcake. You know, I issued a challenge to you. I said, even I can beat you, Brutus Beefcake. Stupid me, I guess. I gave Valentine and Bravo the night off, and I wrestled you. Had you gone. You put a sleeper hold on me, and I woke up, and this is the way I look. But let me tell you something, baby. Every dog has their day, and Luscious JV's going to have his day. I will not rest until I see you at the bottom of my feet, baby. I will not rest until I see you coming face to face with my fist. Or Valentine's, or Bravo's, or all three of ours. You're going to get yours, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Nobody does this to me, baby. Nobody does that and stays alive. You know, Johnny V, don't, don't, don't go walking away on me. Johnny, come on back in here, Johnny V. I've got to be concerned about one thing. Brutus Beefcake has made it public that he doesn't particularly care for you after the bailout that you and Valentine and Dino Bravo did on him. Isn't that too bad? He doesn't particularly care, huh? He's not too happy. Isn't that something, huh? Welcome to life. Changes are made every day, baby. Airlines cut schedules. People get torpedoed, fired, and put out of people's life. That's why you're on the dream team. All Nobody right. Thank you, luscious Johnny V. We're going to be right back. And Johnny V now sporting a mohawk of sorts, but it kind of works for JV and his character. But he promises Brutai is going to get his. 
Then back to the ring for more action, Honky Tonk Man with Colonel Jimmy Hart taking on Joe Milano. As we see a clip from Saturday night's main event of the Honky Tonk Man dressed as Kim Chi, attacking Jake the Snake Roberts, and the Ban the DDT campaign continues, Jimmy Hart rocking a sign here. They even tape a paper that reads Ban the DDT on the back of Honky's guitar. Cheap, but effective. Honky Tonk Man busting out the middle rope fist drop, the sit-out clothesline, and a shake, rattle, and roll neckbreaker. Going to pick up the win over Milano here in just a minute and 45 seconds. Honky then plays the guitar behind his head. He's just that good. And remember to write in, guys, to the P.O. Box to ban the DDT. Honky, getting more over with every passing week. And then it's interview time yet again. Mean Gene with back-to-back promos. First, Outback Jack. How can you top that? George the Animal Steel. All right, stay tuned. More exciting World Wrestling Federation action coming up. When we say World Wrestling Federation, we mean literally all over the world. Come on in from Humpty Doo in the Northern Territories of Australia. Outback Jack. Welcome aboard. How are you, mate? Good to see you. Good to see you. Happy as a pig in mud, I am. Happy as as a what? Happy as a pig in mud. So they'll roll around it, keep themselves cool and calm and collected. Well, that's not something you'd hear on Wall Street, but... Uh, What's a Wall Street? Wall Street, that's that's where that's our big financial district, Outback right. Jack. I'm with you now. Listen, got something to tell you. Got something to tell everybody, too. Outback Jack's a nice bloke. He's a champion bloke, as a matter of fact. But he's not going to tolerate any more of these fellas taking advantage of him. He's copped a few bashings, a few beatings. Understand that Outback Jack's not a bloke to be taken lightly. You'll let the people know that, won't you? I'll, I'll let them know. Not a bloke? Bloke. 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 A person. A person. Male. That's it. All right, very good. Outback Jack from Humpty Doo in the Northern Territories of Australia. No worries. See you, Gene. Very good. Fair dinkum. Come on in if you would. Bring you present. What, flowers for me, George? Yes. Thank you. Oh, very good. Nice. Very, very nice. What does this make you think of? Lovely flowers, George. You. Stewardess. No. Airplane. No. Elizabeth. George, watch you. What, George, what are you talking... George, come here. George, you'd better explain yourself. What do you mean? Flight attendant. Cabin attendant. Not stewardess anymore. You can't say that. What did you see me do? No. George, please. Give me a break, will you? George, watch. That's all. An outback happy as a pig in mud. He still has his hair here for this promo, so I, I kind of believe him. Jack says he's not going to be taken advantage of anymore here in the WWF. Ironic, isn't it? Then George Steele in next brings a bouquet of flowers to Mean Gene. Clearly an inside joke here as they talk about a stewardess. That's flight attendant George. Gene asks, what did he do to this flight attendant? George Steele motions a pinching manner, maybe groping the poor lady, dirty Gene. Then back to the ring, Killer Khan with Mr. Fuji taking on veteran wrestler Rick Hunter. You know, I'd often wondered, based on Hunter's age, I believe he's around 50 here at this point, what he was doing on so many syndicated TV tapings back in this time period. Not that he wasn't a great hand as a face as Rick Hunter, as the heel gladiator, the mask gladiator here, doing jobs almost every week. And then I come to find out recently that Rick Hunter was part of the ring crew, it would seem. So that would explain a whole lot. As we get an insert promo from Don Morocco and Bob Orton putting over Mr. Fuji's latest acquisition, Killer Khan. Back to the ring. Killer Khan attacks, chops, and stomps. And more of that war cry screaming as Rick Hunter's down on the mat. From there, Khan busting out that thrust kick to the face. A backbreaker positions Rick Hunter down on the mat 
and a top rope knee drop from Killer Khan again this week, picking up the win in 1 minute and 22 seconds. Quick and dominant. Impressive height off that top rope as well. Make no mistake, it's not an accident Khan is on TV every week since his debut, being built up to be fed to Hulk Hogan, brother. As we're off to Craig DeGeorge standing by with the new Dream Team and Luscious Johnny V, and they say after what Beefcake did to JV a couple weeks ago on TV, they challenged Beefer to step in the ring with the new Dream Team. They will get revenge for their manager, Johnny V. And we'll see Beefcake go one-on-one with one of the new Dream Team fairly soon here on TV, but we'll get to that when we get there. For now, it's feature match time here this week on Superstars. Ken Patera taking on the Mighty Hercules with Bobby the Brain Heenan and the King Harley Race in Hercules' corner for this one. Patera's return to the squared circle after a two-year absence. And if you watch closely, you'll notice those aren't Superstars banners in the arena here, folks. Those are wrestling challenge banners for this match. Reason being, the match was reportedly so horrible the first night of tapings, they had to do it again here on challenge. Doesn't sound promising, does it? As the match gets going, Hercules jumps Patera and stomps him down to the mat, choking him out with his boot. But Kenny eventually firing back, catching a shot to the gut though, and Hercules maintaining control. Patera takes over the match, clubbing forearms, you can hear him guys and looks blown up after doing absolutely nothing. Even Jesse Ventura on commentary can't hide it. He has to point out that Patera appears to be sucking wind as Hercules goes to the eyes and lands a backbreaker before locking Patera in his own finisher, the bear hug. So Hercules has Patera in the bear hug here, but Kenny powers his way out and comes back with a clothesline, launching Hercules with a body slam across the ring. Always love when Patera did that move. Scoop you up for the big slam and then launch you a good dozen feet or more across the ring. Patera, a second scoop slam, launches Hercules again before Patera locks it in, his bear hug finisher in 1987. And Hercules appears to be in deep trouble here when the brain sends Harley Race into the ring, race from behind with a high knee into the back of Kim Patera, causing the disqualification in just two minutes and 11 seconds. From there, Race and Hercules beating down Patera until... Billy Jack Haynes arrives to make the save, and the fans finally wake up for Billy Jack's arrival as he runs off the Heenan family, and the two Oregonians, or Oregonians? Oregonians. Sure, why not? They have more than just being from Oregon in common now. They have formed a bond against the Heenan family. So Patera feuding with the entire Heenan family, Billy Jack still feuding with Hercules, it all ties together here. And in real life, talk about two whack jobs teaming up, Patera and Haynes. That'd be a scary-ass team to go in there against. But here is Babyfaces, not really that thrilling. On paper, anyway, Patera looks completely out of ring shape. And this was a short and very basic match. Patera didn't have to do much of anything. So how he screwed this up the first night? That's saying something. And speaking of Kim Patera, the show continues on. We come back from break. Mean Gene catches up with the Olympic Strongman. Standing by, so we're told, ladies and gentlemen, Mean Gene Oakland back with Ken Patera in the dressing room area. Let's take you back now to Ken Patera. Oh, Ken Patera, what a man. I expected the dirty, low-hand tactics of the Bobby the Weasel Heenan family. I'd like to thank Billy Jack Haynes to come to my assistance. I'm going to tell you something, Weasel. Bring your men on one by one or bring them all at the same time. Harley Race, Hercules, whoever you want to stack against me. 
I'll tell you my main mission, my main goal in life is to rid the World Wrestling Federation of all the scum. And I'm going to start with you, Heenan, the weasel, or Hercules, or race. It doesn't matter. This is the beginning of a war. So Patera there thanking Billy Jack Haynes for his assistance. It's a word to use. And Kenny's still planning to rid the WWF of all the scum. Then to the ring for six-man tag team action. Boy, a lot of six-mans as of late. Tito Santana, Billy Jack Haynes, and Black Jack Mulligan taking on the trio of Iron Mike Sharp and the Shadows. That's Jose Luis Rivera and Randy Colley, the former Moondog Rex here. We get an insert promo from Black Jack as he talks Sarah Joe Puckett not traveling along with him. She's a little shy, he says, but we'll get to see her very soon. So Mulligan now promising to show the world Miss Sarah Joe Puckett, but we never get it. To quote Ron Simmons, Damn! And I do believe this is the Shadows' first syndicated appearance here. As Jesse says, they don't want to be called number one and two, they want to be called light and dark. The fuck, Jesse? I have no idea. And talk about a hodgepodge team on the babyface side, Tito, Haynes, and Mulligan. As the match gets going, Mulligan brawls with his opponents. Tito looks solid as always. Competitive match with the heels working over Santana at one point in this one. But we get a hot tag out to Billy Jack Haynes, who picks up the win with a full Nelson on Iron Mike Sharp in 4 minutes and 41 seconds. And the babyfaces leave to Blackjack's train whistle theme. Now, also during this contest, we learned on commentary that next week, WWF champion Hulk Hogan will be here putting his title on the line against Cowboy Bob Orton right here next week on Superstars, a special Memorial Day weekend celebration. Wow, what a huge deal. Hulk Hogan defending his title here on syndicated TV. And this matchup also marks the end of Blackjack Mulligan's run in the company. This was his last match before quitting the company. And we were this close to finally seeing Sarah Joe Puckett. Damn you, Blackjack, for quitting. But they say that's a mark of a good storyteller. Always leave him wanting more. And we're now off to Mean Gene yet again. This time, he's got the tag team champions along with him. It's the Hart Foundation and Jimmy Hart. A whole lot of things shaking down here in the World Wrestling Federation. I'd like to bring in, if I may, the mouth of the South. Jimmy Hart, come on in from Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> you got a number of things going in the World Wrestling Federation. You got the Honky Talk Man, and you got a couple of hot commodities. And the tag team champions of the world, your Hart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. You're That's chewing right. gum again. You shouldn't do that on television. I do anything I want to do. You know why? Because the Hart Foundation backs me up. They are the world champions, baby. And when you're on top, you got to let it rock. They're the greatest team in the history of professional wrestling today, baby. And if you you want us bulldogs, you big crybabies, then come and get us. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Never shut up! Have you ever seen your tie like that, Jimmy, about the bulldogs, the cry? Have you ever seen a, a, a miserable bulldog at, at his dog dish slobbering and spilling and, and complaining about all the spilled milk in the dish? <laughs> Obviously, when the bells change hands, there's going to be a lot of controversy. There, obviously, uh, one of the two parties is not going to be happy. <laughs> and the Bulldogs, all they do is whine and complain over a little spilled milk. Well, it was more than spilled milk. It just happened to be a change in titles. Yeah. And Danny Davis, the other member of the Hart oh, Foundation. Oh, you keep bringing up poor Danny Davis. About what about Danny that lip Davis. of yours? Take a look at that. What happened to you? There's nothing. It's nothing. It's just a scratch. They keep trying hard, Gene. They keep trying to mess up this pretty face, but they can't do it. You can't do it, baby. You can't do it. Now, all I know is that these bulldogs like to call themselves technical wrestlers. I like think they're high flyers and great movers and everything. But you know, Gene, 
They can't fly high enough to beat the Heart Foundation, can they? What about what about the killer bees? What about the oh, Rougeaus? The, killer bees. <laughs> the countless other tag teams. <laughs> Are we scared? <laughs> Maybe many, you should be, gentlemen. Maybe you should be. How many times do we have to beat these Rougeau guys to get the message across? <laughs> Hang them up. Hang up the tights and go back to Quebec where they belong. What, what, what about, the, what about the Can-Am connection? Well, what oh, about them? Right. What about them, hey, hey. huh? Now they talk about what does the Can-Am mean? American-Canadian connection? This is the Canadian and the American connection. <laughs> They're copying us because they like us so much. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Everybody wants to be part of the Heart Foundation. The Can-Ams are cute. If, but if looks could kill, we might be in trouble. But looks don't kill. And the Heart Foundation, we're the world best. We're the best in the world right now, and they can't touch us. Well, your, your men are really cocky and confident, Jimmy. They are right? cool, cocky, and confident. If you want to get it straight, we are the world champions. We have open contracts. Bring on the Can-Am, bring on the Rougeaus, bring on the Killer Bees, but mainly bring on the Bulldogs, because we're ready. <laughs> All right, I thank you very much, gentlemen. Brett, the hit bad heart, Jim, the anvil nine heart, tag team champions of the world. And behind them all the way is their manager, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. All right, and the hearts mocking the British Bulldogs, mocking the Can-Am Connection. In fact, the Hart Foundation are the real Can-Am Connection. I never thought of that before. Bret Hart from Canada, Knight Hart from Nevada. So the hearts are the real Can-Ams, it would seem here. And the hearts, they have no qualm about stepping in the ring with anyone, it would seem. And as we close out this week's edition of Superstars, we get closing comments. We talked about the matchup coming next week between Cowboy Bob Orton challenging the champion Hulk Hogan. Well, it's time to listen to both challenger and champion, first Cowboy Bob, and then it's Hulk Hogan. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest World Wrestling Federation Superstars event ever. Next week, right here on the Superstars of Wrestling, we'll see one-on-one Cowboy Bob Orton in a non-title matchup against Hulk Hogan. Here now, words from Bob Orton. <laughs> Finally, Hogan, after all these years and all your hanging and your banging. Finally, Hogan, it's you against me, the technician, one-on-one. -on -one. Hogan, you're going to lose your self-respect. We heard from Cowboy Bob Orton. Now let's hear from the hoaxer about next week's challenge. Seven long days, seven long nights. Heaven, the earth, the U.S. of A were created. And on the eighth day, the big dude created Hulkamania, but he worked overtime, man. As the final thought, he created a set of 24 pythons, the largest arms in the world, in the U.S. of A, man. In the Purple Mountain Majesty, the Amber Waves of Rain, Truth, Justice, the Hulk Hogan American Lake, one and the same. On Memorial Day weekend, Cowboy Bob Orton, I dedicate your downfall to all the great veterans, all the war heroes, all the people that love the U.S. of A. Because this country means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Oh yeah, you're American. This is training, this day in the prayers, the eating the vitamins, the three demandments of the USA Hulkamaniacs. You don't defy that. And when I get you in the ring, the U.S. of A, Hulkamania, is going to make you, brother, an outcast. So don't miss it, ladies and gentlemen, right here on the Superstars of Wrestling next week, Cowboy Bob Orton against the one and the only Hulk Hogan.
and the two men on their way to a big matchup here next week, Memorial Day weekend. Dude. Orton gets a quickie promo here with partner Morocco by his side. Then WWF champion Hogan gets his own promo with his instrumental theme playing in the background along with fireworks going off behind him on a big green screen. No favoritism here. Hogan says on the eighth day, the big dude created Hulkamania. Eh. Hogan going to dedicate this matchup to all of the veterans who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Well, that's at least cool. And that'll wrap it up for this week here on Superstars as we're off to Wrestling Challenge for May the 17th, tape back April 24th, New Haven, Connecticut at the Coliseum. It is Gorilla Monsoon, and yes, they're returning Bobby the Brain Heenan. Heenan returns in a neck brace. And as Gorilla awaits Heenan's return to the announce booth, the Brain is accompanied out by a pair of lovely federettes here to get things going as we're off to the ring. Remember, three feature matches this week, and we kick it all off with the biggest of them all. It's Intercontinental Champion Ricky the Dragon Steamboat taking on the natural Butch Reed with the Doctor of Style Slick in his corner. And the Slickster here in an awesome-looking white suit is Butch Reed attacks Steamboat as he tries to enter the ring and then suplexing the dragon in off the apron to the inside, choking him out with his own karate gi here. But Reed, moving very slow, there's just something clearly not right with the natural physically here in 1987. But from there, Butch Reed beating down and eventually tossing the dragon through the ropes out to the floor where Slick gets caught trying to hit Ricky with his cane. Bobby Heenan spending some time on commentary early in the match, ranting on about how he's not done with Ken Patera. So Heenan making sure to get that in early and often. All episode here on Challenge, but it's back to the action. As Ricky Steamboat attempts a comeback, but telegraphs a backdrop and eats a big boot from Reed and a clothesline, sending the champion back down to the mat. From there, Reed working over Steamer some more and tries to press slam, but Steamboat floats over and counters, hitting a back suplex on the natural and both men down on the mat. And as both men slowly begin to get to their feet, they run into one another, colliding and both back down to the mat yet again. And this time it's the natural. The challenger is up first as he heads up top, but Steamboat catches the natural and slams Butch Reed off the top rope. The Slickster then up onto the apron to distract the dragon who chases Slick down on the outside. Dragon chasing Slick around the ring, but Steamer turns his attentions back to the natural, goes back to work laying in some big chops on Butch Reed. Steamboat then trying for a running crossbody, but Reed catches him and the momentum takes both men over the top rope and out to the floor, both men down on the outside, but Steamboat sliding back in the ring just before the 10 count Steamboat going to pick up the win on a count out here in six minutes and five seconds. And the TV booking has done the dragon no favors for me as the new Intercontinental Champion. Nothing definitive here. And I loved, loved Butch Reed. But you could tell he was extremely cautious taking certain bumps with his body here during his WWF run. Something was physically not right with the natural, in my opinion. But the dragon will retain. I believe this may have even been non-title, to be honest with you. But Steamboat picking up a win here on a countout over Butch Reed. And they give the guys six minutes, which is actually pretty good for syndicated TV. As we're off to Wrestler's Rebuttal, Billy Jack Haynes this week. Once again, talking those 30 stitches in the head. But it will all be settled with Hercules before too long. As we go to a clip of Hercules in action. And when we return to Wrestler's Rebuttal, Billy Jack Haynes is gone. And now it's Kim Patera standing there. I wrote, what the fuck? Confused the hell out of me. Patera also says that he will destroy the Heenan family. 
Patera, one of the many people then making the ring around the collar joke for Bobby the Brain Heenan. As we go back to the ring, tag team champion, the Hart Foundation, Jimmy Hart in their corner, taking on the team of Joe Murdo and Jack Miller, who is clearly Jake the Milkman Milliman. And as the match gets going, we get an insert promo here from Dangerous Danny Davis. Davis recommending everyone apply to his Academy of Refereeing. I know it sounds corny, guys, but the line delivery has been phenomenal. Danny Davis, the perfect asshole heel here. Speaking of Davis, not ringside for this matchup, as the Hart Foundation hit the heart attack on Jack Miller, Jake Milliman. Hart Foundation picking up the win in 2 minutes and 11 seconds. As I have another soundbite queued up now, Mean Gene Okerlund going to talk to Brutus, the barber, Beefcake. All right, hi again, everybody. Mean Gene Okerlund reminding you the World Wrestling Federation is on the move. And speaking of the World Wrestling Federation, there is a tremendous amount of movement within the ranks of this great organization. Something that truly surprised me, a complete 180 and about face for this man in WrestleMania 3. And I think you could see it coming. But all of a sudden, we've got a man who is going it alone these days. He is from San Francisco, California. They call him the Barber. You know him as Brutus Beefcake and... Beefer, come on in. You're looking like the Vadal Sassoon of the World Wrestling Federation. I like it. Oh, baby. You know me, Gene. I'm not alone, brother. There's a lot of people that are out there behind the Beefer right now. And they're chanting, go, barber, go. Go, barber. They want to see the barber trim up a lot of this riffraff that's running around, running wild in the WWE. You know, Brutus, the barber beefcake, I've seen some of your work. I must say that luscious Johnny V, I don't know if that's some of your finer work as a barber. Oh, Gene, that was some of my best work there. See how evenly I did the sides, left that big mohawk right up the middle? That's the beefer special, you know? That's what they call the punk rock special. <laughs> I don't know if you call it that or not, but Johnny V, see, I didn't finish you off right there on TV because I'm going to take my time. I'm going to make you suffer. I'm going to put the clippers on your head time after time so you never forget what you said and what you did to the beefcake. You know, I talked to, uh, to a gal in a restaurant recently, one of the greatest restaurants in all of mid-America, and she said that I have the opposite haircut of Johnny V. And I guess when you mention it, it is kind of really... Can you well, do anything Gene, for me? Gene, I don't know. Maybe a little around the sides oh, here. Oh, very good. I thank you very much. Brutus, the Barber Beefcake. <laughs> We're right back. Thank you. And it was the Beefer special on Johnny V, that mohawk. But Beefcake left the hair on the top of JV's head. He didn't finish Johnny V off on TV because he's going to do it a little at a time, giving you a reason to attend the house shows. So Brutus Beefcake and his war on Johnny V and company will continue, especially now that Adrian Adonis is gone from the WWF, and we're back to the ring. Coco Beware taking on Dave Wagner here. Coco dominating with his speed throughout the matchup. On commentary, Bobby Heenan selling his neck all program long as we cut to a shot of Bobby in his neck brace there on commentary during the matchup. Then back to the ring, it's the Birdman with a missile dropkick and the Ghostbuster going to pick up the win in 2 minutes and 18 seconds. And Coco Beware, so flashy, so outgoing, so good in the ring, and he's really over here in 87, but they clearly don't know what they want to do with him as he's jobbing to Danny Davis on some of the house shows. And unfortunately, Coco will become just another guy to fill out the card. As it's promo time yet again, Mean Gene Oakland going to have a word with the honky-tonk man and his manager, the Colonel, Jimmy Hart. 
Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, come on in. You're you're riding the crest right now, aren't you? The top of the wave. The world champions in the Hart Foundation, and look at the honky-tonk. You know, it's honky-tonk favorites taking over the whole world. And here he is, baby, the honky-tonk man. Yo! <laughs> you know, all due respect, honky-tonk, you look naked without your guitar. I figured you'd say something like that. You know what? I'm going to tell you why I don't have it out here right now. Why? Because you make so much fun of it, you want to badger me, and you want me to sing my song for all these people, and you want me to do it for free, right here on national TV. The honky-tonk man said, no, sir. Peggy Sue said, honky-tonk man, you don't do it anymore. You don't listen to Mean Gene. You don't let him badger you. You don't let him trick badger, you into singing badger. that song. I never badgered you a day in your life. You try to make me sing that song the last time I was out here, and I said, no, sir, I'm not going to do it. And I'm not. I'm not going to sing it on national TV well, because I'm saving it. You know what you would do, Honky Tonk? You'd get out here and you'd give us a few, just you know, a few strands of it, so to speak, kind of tease us, and then walk <laughs> away with without anything. Left me with an empty feeling. Yeah, I know. That's what I did to a lot of people. I left them with an empty feeling, especially Jake the Snake Roberts. I left him real empty. You know, ever since the Honky Tonk Man played that tune on Jake the Snake, he hadn't been right. <laughs> you know, there's something wrong with him now. His neck's been hurting. It's all. It's going all the way down in his shoulder, into his arm. They tell me his back's in bad shape. I just don't understand it. I must have played a real good tune for him. You, you, you played a real hard tune on him, I'll say that. I'll say that. Very difficult. I guess you call it rock and roll, wouldn't it? Well, you may call it that. I don't think I'd touch that one with a ten-foot pole. You know, you, know, you remind me of somebody. I, I recall somebody that dressed like don't, that don't before. Don't say it. Don't say it. See, you're trying you, to get him see, upset. That's what you're trying, trying to do. To... Come on, Hokey, let's get out of here. Don't worry, Peggy Sue. He's not going to upset me today, That's I promise. It, you say hi to Thelma Lou for me. That's Peggy Sue. Peggy Sue. I beg your pardon. We're going to be right back. Don't go away. More action after this. And some joking there about Gene badgering Honky Tonk Man to sing. So Honky purposely didn't bring his guitar with him here this week. Honky then addressing the injury to Jake's neck and his shoulder, his arm, if you will. And as we know, Jake Roberts is going to be out of action for the next couple of months here. Honky Tonk Man referencing it during the promo. And speaking of promos, up next we hear from Outback Jack. Yes, it's an Outback promo, mate. As he talks Killer Khan. Outback Jack getting ready to get to the ring to take on the killer. He says the Killer Khan once came through Australia a couple years ago and destroyed everything. But he's going to give Khan a good go for his troubles. No worries, mate. I'm Outback Jack. And it's back to the ring. Killer Khan standing by with Mr. Fuji inside the squared circle, awaiting his opponent, Outback Jack, who heads out to the old Timey Kangaroo Down Sports song. And I think this is like the second singles match, maybe third, that Jack has had on syndicated TV in something like three months. And it looks like they're, they're already abandoning the tag team with Hillbilly Jim as well after just one TV taping. Outback, though, enters the ring here. He has some words for Killer Khan, but makes the mistake of turning to Mr. Fuji, and Khan attacks before the bell can even sound, choking Jack out with Mr. Fuji's cane Jack down on the mat. It takes multiple officials to get Khan off of Jack, who is down clutching at his throat. Outback finally does manage to get back to his feet, but still sells the choke by staggering around the ring. Killer Khan... Already done the damage and gone from ringside at this point. And this may not have been the death blow to the Outback Jack character, but it's not far off. I kind of feel bad for the bloke. The match itself, apparently a no contest. Just another way to try to get Killer Khan over as a killer heel. As we're off to another edition of the Snake Pit. This week, the guest, Luscious Johnny V and the new Dream Team. Jake Roberts says the original is always the best. And even though that includes Brutus Beefcake, I have to agree. And hiding in the back, Johnny V, apparently trying to hide that new haircut of his, courtesy of the beefer, 
Jake says Greg Valentine or Dino Bravo could be next in line for a haircut. Then referencing Bravo as Harpo, as in Harpo Marx, you guys know him better as Kenny Omega these days, thanks to Jim Cornette. Jake also slides in a Max Headroom mention here, referring to JV as Max Headroom. Wow, maybe the only reference in wrestling. Well, I don't know. I'm sure the new breed or somebody came up with that over in Crockett as well. But Johnny V vows that Brutus will pay. And it's evident here the new Dream Team exists. They are a tag team, but it's just not working. It doesn't click for me. And they go on to have an unmemorable eight-month run here as a tag team in 1987. They're probably the least remembered tag team of the glory days of the WWF, I'd have to think. As the show goes on, we're back to the ring. Competitive tag team action here. Two more babyface teams. We saw the Islanders recently step in the ring and have some issues with the Rougeau brothers. Well, they get it again here this week against the Killer Bees. It's Jumpin' Jim Renzel and B. Brian Blair taking on Haku and Tama. The Islanders here, Battle of the Baby Faces yet again. Seen a lot of that lately here on WWF TV. We've also seen a lot of competitive tag team matches here on TV lately. Really getting over that tag team division. And it is Baby Faces versus Baby Faces here. We saw the Islanders Rougeos a few weeks ago. And things broke down. Rolls out the window, leading that match to a double countout. But as this match starts, it's handshakes all around for the four men. As Bobby Heenan exclaims, sissies. How dare they shake hands? As the match gets going, it's Blair and Tama going back and forth in a nice wrestling sequence on the mat, but Haku and Brunzel tag in and trade moves until Haku shoves Brunzel down off of a break. Thought it was going to be a clean break, but Haku shoving Brunzel down to the mat. Very uncharacteristic of Haku here is Bobby Heenan on commentary talks about the Islanders missing that killer instinct to want to hurt someone, and if they did, that they could be the next world tag team champions. It's very telling, Bobby. The Islanders, though, work over Jump and Jim for a bit. Haku with a big sunset flip. Haku really flew over top of Brunzel with that sunset flip, only getting a two count from there. Haku dropping Brunzel down into a backbreaker across his knee, holding him there. It's the Islanders' version of the demolition decapitation here. Haku holding Brunzel in a backbreaker position, but Tama going all the way up to the top rope and coming off, dropping a big forearm across the chest of Brunzel. As the Islanders remain in control, Jim Brunzel finally able to bust out a shinbreaker, taking Tama down to the mat and finally tagging back to Brian Blair as the bees work over Tama's leg. Brunzel looks to be going for a spinning toehold, perhaps maybe a figure four, but Tama kicks Blair into the ropes and Blair runs smack dab into a haku chop from the apron. Boo, Islanders beginning to cheat a little here again this week. Well, I don't know if I'd say cheating, but certainly a more aggressive Islanders, no doubt. Brian Blair, though, hits Tama with a high beasting right to the face. The butt-butt to the face sends Tama down and tag back to jumping Jim Brunzel, who nails the big drop kick on Tama. It could be all over. One, two, but Haku in to break up the pin. And Brian Blair right back into the ring questioning Haku. What's he doing in the ring? He's not the legal man. And a shoving match ensues between Blair and Haku. Haku then takes a cheap shot on Blair as he begins to walk away, knocking him through the ropes and out to the floor. Hey, that's not nice. Meanwhile, it's Brunzel with the reverse rolling cradle, the O'Connor roll on Tama, but Haku breaks that up as well. The Killer Bees just can't get a break here as Haku is all over the place. And the referee finally admonishing Haku for all of his interference, forcing him to leave the ring, go back to the apron. But Haku, he's not having any of it. He shoves the referee down. Oh, shit. And the Islanders with a double headbutt on Jim Brunzel. The referee has seen enough calling for the bell, disqualifying the Islanders 
B's going to pick up the DQ win here in 5 minutes and 31 seconds. And then after the match, Tama climbing up to the top rope, playing to the crowd, soaking in that heel heat that the Islanders are receiving here. And then when Blair rolls back in the ring to check on Brunzel, the Islanders take off. They get out of there. And the plot thickens, as they say, with this Islanders team. And we've got one more match in the bag here for Wrestling Challenge. It's Billy Jack Haynes taking on Iron Mike Sharp as we get an insert promo from Billy Jack, who says he has no sympathy for the weasel's injured neck, but perhaps Heenan could use a neck adjustment, courtesy of Billy Jack Haynes. Then it's to the action. Haynes with a big scoop slam on Sharp, then nails an atomic drop and a clothesline, but only gets a one count on Iron Mike. Sharp then retaliates, attacking Haynes with a series of stiff forearm shots across the back of Billy Jack. And remember, Sharp has that forearm brace on, so it can't feel too good. I don't care how tough you are. Sharp known to be a snug worker. Match continues as Iron Mike chokes Billy Jack over the ropes, but misses an elbow drop, and Billy Jack Haynes takes back over, firing away on Iron Mike. And at one point, Mike Sharp reaching down into his trunks, looking for something, loads his forearm band. Uh Uh-oh, look out, Billy Jack Haynes. Sharp takes a wild swing with that loaded forearm, but Billy Jack ducks and locks in the full Nelson for the submission win in 2 minutes and 38 seconds. Fun little snug match there between Billy Jack Haynes and Iron Mike Sharp. And I got a little more to say about this, guys, so here we go. And for those who don't know, there was once upon a time a fight that took place in the dressing room. Not a work shoot, but an actual shoot fight. It, it seems that Billy Jack Haynes took exception to Sharp perhaps taking some liberties, some stiff shots. He told him to cool down, and he just kept laying in some stiff shots on Haynes, and it was just the wrong day to screw with Billy Jack Haynes. So Billy Jack comes to the back looking for a fight, and Mike Sharp is ready to go, or so the story goes. Now, here's the conflicting issue. It happened at a TV taping. Billy Jack Haynes, or excuse me, Hillbilly Jim, was uh, one of the very few people in that locker room. He saw it take place, and he had it pegged as being in, in somewhere around Detroit, Michigan. Billy Jack then kind of fed off that and said the same thing. Well, the problem I have with that is I can't find a TV taping with Billy Jack versus Mike Sharp anywhere near Detroit, Michigan. However, here at this taping, they do go one-on-one, and it is a little snug, especially for Mike Sharp's and those forearm shots across the back of Haynes in particular here. So I'm thinking the fight may have very well taken place at this TV taping, and the story goes Sharp really didn't stand a chance. Billy Jack, a former boxer. Now, he never went pro-pro, but he was a pretty damn good amateur by all accounts. Now, according to Haynes, his version of the story, he clocked Sharp pretty good, took him down, but Mike got right back up. And Billy Jack said, come on, Mike, just let's let it go. Sharp was not done. So Billy Jack, boom, 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 boom. A few rights and lefts later, leaving Mike Sharp in a pool of his own blood in the locker room. Probably one of those nights Sharp got locked in the building. I don't know how long it would have took to clean that all up, but Mike Sharp goes down and goes down hard. Billy Jack Haynes laying him out in the locker room, and the story goes, according to Haynes, and I don't know why he'd make this part up, he says he was actually fired by Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon called him in and was firing him for the incident. Vince hadn't seen it. He'd only heard about it. But Billy Jack was fired until Mike Sharp came into the room to tell his side of the story, and Sharp took the blame. He said it was my fault, Vince, and Billy Jack Haynes got to keep his job all because Mike Sharp stood up and vouched for Billy Jack Haynes, and Haynes had nothing negative to say about Sharp, the human being. He kind of put him over. He just said it was the wrong night, the wrong time. It just happened between the boys sometimes, and that's just the way it was. They went on to continue working together or against each other or whatever the case may be down the line. No hard feelings here, but eh, it happens. And once again, I don't know that it happened at this particular TV taping, but it seems to be a possibility. 
as we close out this edition of Wrestling Challenge. One more promo lined up with Mean Gene Oakland. He's going to talk to Mr. Fuji. Along with him, it's Kim Chi and the mighty Kamala. And a man that has been doing quite well as of late in the World Wrestling Federation, the Samurai Warrior from Tokyo, Japan. Come on, I beg your pardon. It's Osaka, Japan. Oh, Am I correct, Mr. Fuji? Do. Fool, I, I don't want to get your hometown wrong. <laughs> right now, you've got a number of things going. You've got demolition. You've got Morocco and Orton. But the man that I'm most impressed with... Oh, oh, he's, oh, 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 oh. Kamala, yeah. Ugandan headhunter. Yes, yes. Along with Kim Chi. Kim Chi, baby, Kamala. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, Don't let him touch me. Take off mask. Take off mask. You know, speaking uh, of heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan, periodically, you have made the move for your man Kamala to get a shot at the heavyweight champ. He has not succeeded thus far. <laughs> let me tell you, every time in ring, more he figure. How to outdo Hogan song. I teach him good psychology now. Psychology? You yeah. teach him psychology? Oh, yeah. Do my interpreter, kimchi. <laughs> you put the strap to him, that's how you turn him around. If he oh. knew what you were doing. You see, he like... Oh, keep him away from me, Fuji. He like... Nice white meat. White, white meat? What? Wait a minute, what are you saying? From Uganda. He had little cannibalism in him. He loved white meat with little sugar on it, making nice and sweet. We're talking about white meat, turkey, and chicken, that type of thing, I assume. Black pepper with his food. <laughs> You've got to control him. What's going on here? Because you mentioned food. And when you mention food, it's a big problem. And look at this man. Look at the what furniture. What do you do? What? Yes, uh, yes. What about the furniture? He has nice furniture, too. Big man. Big man will make him suffer. He will grab Hogan all around and make him scream like Hog. You see? All right. Always interesting visiting with you, Mr. Fuji, Kim Chi, and Kamala, the Ugandan headhunter. And Kamala likes the white meat. Little black pepper. Got to have that seasoning. Not much to this promo. Always fun, though, to have a Fuji and Kamala soundbite. And next week, we learn it'll be Brutus Beefcake taking on the Canadian Strongman, one half of the new Dream Team, Dino Bravo. Promos from both sides. Well, what do you know? One-on-one, Bravo and me. Yeah, maybe a little cutting gonna go around your ears. Maybe a little bit of trim it going up and down your spine. But one thing's for sure, Bravo, there's gonna be a lot of cutting and a lot of strutting. <laughs> Next week, Beefcake, it's you and I, one-on-one. If you think for one second you're going to come close to this, well, you've got another thing coming. Si tu penses une minute que tu vas me faire le dommage que tu as fait à mon gérant, je te garantis que tu vas payer cher avec ce que tu as fait. That's right. Next week, you and I, Beefcake. And it's not a whole lot. Brutus Beefcake says he's going to do some strutting and some cutting on the other end. Dino Bravo obviously looking for revenge. For his manager, Luscious Johnny V. Next week, we'll also see the Wrestling Challenge debut of the One Man Gang. And what an episode this week. Two six-minute competitive matches. The Islander storyline continuing. Also good to see Bobby Heenan back in the announce booth. A fun episode of Wrestling Challenge here this week, no doubt. But we move on into WWE Primetime Wrestling for May the 18th. It's Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan hosting. 
I'm Gorilla Monsoon. And I'm still hurt. Bobby the Brain Heenan still with a horse collar on here this week. How long are you going to wear that thing? What? Until my physician advises me I can remove it. Is he back now from yes, overseas? Yes, he is. And the he says, uh, well, I have to go have a myogram. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Well, they shoot dye into your spine and it goes into different parts of your body. They can pinpoint exactly what's wrong. So it's not just a sprained neck as well. Oh, no. Not like the garbage they threw upon you people made it sound like it was just something that would... I could go to bed and take an aspirin and get up in the morning in and I feel words, fine. In other words, we're going to see you looking, wearing this horrible-looking thing for a while now. I want Patera to get a good look at it. I want him to be proud of himself because he's going to be in a body cast eventually from his eyebrows down. Uh, have you gotten a lot, lot of cards and letters? Uh, I was just going to mention, there's a lot of people concerned about me. I understand that, uh, well, in Beverly Hills, I happen to know that my mailman right there is hunchback from just carrying my mail. <laughs> You, oh, you should see the mail in the let's lobby. Let's go to there. the Boston Garden right now with a special match. Hey, let's Bob Dean, get now. some mail in. Another fun intro this week. I'm Gorilla Monsoon, and I'm still hurt. Had to LOL at that as we roll on. Gorilla and Bobby talking Brutus Beefcake's new finisher, the Sleeper Hold. And the man who perfected it many years ago. Let's take a listen. Wow, Brutus, devastating <laughs> since his mastery of the Sleeper Hold. It's not a Sleeper Hold, that's a choke. It's a Sleeper Hold. No, you know, there was a man... In professional wrestling, he's retired now. I've, I've, I've worked for this man before. He's he, the greatest when it comes to using the sleeper. Probably had more victories than anybody in professional wrestling just by using this sleeper hold. The greatest wrestling technician when it came to using the sleeper hold. Not you know, active anymore. No, retired. Can you only know who be they one person, yeah. Tell me. Paul Bosch. That's correct. Paul Bosch, you got that one right. Okay, I've next you and Van for... White will be on a Wheel of Fortune. Though. Well, maybe. Maybe we'll catch a train together somewhere. Who knows? Well, that, anyway, the way Paul Bosch has explained it to me, that is not a sleeper hold. That is a choke. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to define. You have to actually be there in the ring. You have to be close so that if you see the forearm slip underneath the chin, then it becomes a choke hold. That's right. But as long as it's above the chin level and you're just pinching off the flow of blood through the carotid artery. I don't want to talk about it. Ah, yes, the Paul Bosch sleeper hold. And you can tell that Paul Bosch is now affiliated with the WWF. The WWF has taken over the Houston territory, so Bosch gets a mention or two here on TV for his troubles. We head off to more action where we see Iron Mike Sharp pick up a victory over C.V. Afi. The two hosts talking the old story about Mike Sharp getting locked in the Boston Garden. You know, Commandant Swagler picked the winner of that match before that match began, and I was surprised. He's, he's really getting... Who did he with pick, it. Bruno? No, he picked Iron Mike. Said the guy was in tremendous condition, even though he'd been locked one night in the Boston Garden. While he was still in the shower, they locked the place up. Him he and was, Ratso, probably. Yeah, Ratso was in there, too. They are both still in <laughs> I there. I heard your And comment. Terry Garvin. He was the third member of that illustrious group. I don't think any pictures of that evening. I don't know, but it'd be interesting to see. All right, and for those of you who don't know... Mike Sharp was a very cleanly man. You may say he had some OCD-type situations going on. And one of them, a lot of times I would hear that he would do the first or second match in the show, and maybe he didn't get in the shower until intermission, but he'd still be in the shower until after the main event was gone. Sometimes he would get locked in buildings because they didn't check hard enough and, and didn't realize Mike Sharp was still in the shower. A very cleanly man, needless to say, was Iron Mike Sharp, believe it or not. And they make a joke here about the uh, maybe getting locked in there with Terry Garvin, of all people, and whoever Ratso is, I'd love to know, with the two hosts saying that they would like to see that. Bobby Heenan wondering if there's any pictures of that night. Terry Garvin and Mike Sharp locked in the Boston Garden. Uh, your Garvin joke of the week, folks. But primetime rolls on. Bobby Heenan 
gives his thoughts on Craig to George. Meanwhile, Gorilla Monsoon has some fun with Harley Race and his crown. Highly unlikely that the Hulkster will be doing any bowing. He'll be doing some bowing king. eventually. Why are you on the case of uh, Greg DeGeorge, the youngster? See, you... Who is he to make a comment about me at ringside interfering? He's a commentator. A commentator? This guy makes Pee Wee Herman look tough. Please, give me a break. How old is he, about 11? Well, where did King get the new crown? It was, uh, he had that made. It was presented he had to made. him. He it made? Yes. <laughs> Didn't measure his head too good. What do you mean? Don't fit him. Did you see his ears were buried in there? I loved it. I right didn't now, notice let's that. Go to the oh, you always got to make fun of the king. I've never seen anybody as jealous as you. Nikolai Volkov. All right, so Bobby having fun at the expense of Craig DeGeorge, young Craig DeGeorge. Gorilla Monsoon still mocking the crown of one King Harley race. As we roll on, we heard it last week on primetime. Bobby does it again here this week, continues to talk the state of the current World Wrestling Federation and midgets. Hacksaw Jim Duggan with a vengeance for Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. What, what is it? Do you have the man strange? buys a ticket. He's allowed to sit there with a two-by-four, go over the rail and into the ring, and the World Wrestling Federation doesn't say a thing to him. A man almost breaks my neck. Maybe broken. I don't know yet. Nobody says You're a thing ho- to him. Hoping. Man shaves a man's head. Nobody says anything to him. You can do whatever you want here. That's the rules you want to play by? Fine. That's the rules you play by all the time. Fine. I haven't even begun to... Dig yet and come up with the Your things. Your guys I'm come, come in the ring with all kinds of strange things, 15 foot chains. You've got one guy that had the audacity to slam a midget. Give me a break. That's right. I told him not to touch that midget. You never touch a midget. You never know where they've been. <laughs> You're disgusting. You're completely disgusting. So Bobby is saying what I've been saying for weeks that magic ticket of Jim Duggan that seems to allow him to do whatever he wants and still go back and sit in his seat afterwards. Meanwhile, Beefcake continues to cut everyone's hair. Ken Patera can break necks. So fine, Bobby Heenan will remember that. And you have to love the brain's rule of thumb. You never touch a midget. You never know where they've been. I don't know if that sits well in today's world, Bobby. But we continue on as Heenan continues to discuss his Heenan family. What have you got going for you, Bobby? I mean, what have I got going for you? What have me? you got going for you? I'm look host at, of this the, program. Look at, the, look at the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. He's, he's currently the manager of the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. He's got the honky-tonk man uh, uh, heading for great heights right now in the World Wrestling. What do you got going for you? You got a guy who likes to slam midgets. You got a guy who walks around with a 15-foot chain, really doesn't know what to do with it. The king. And, and you got a guy who's got a crown that's too small for his huge, hum- humongous head. What, what have you got going for Andre you? the Giant. Andre the Giant. You the, see, when a I loser. Get, a loser. A loser. He lost, didn't he? He had no. a shot at the... No, you got no. anybody that's got a strap, a belt, other than the one that you tried to use on Patera? You see, I'm not, I'm not anybody? concerned right now. You don't have anybody. Cha- I'm not going to argue part. with you. If I have to get my attorneys out here to put a gag order on you, I'll do it. <laughs> you think it's funny, don't you? You guys will be... I'm telling you, you're on your way. Be, you must realize whipping a hamster we'll the be, treadmill at the we'll radio station down the street here. So Gorilla pointing out that Jimmy Hart has the WWF Tag Team Champions and, and soon a whole lot more. Gorilla even putting over the Honky Talk Man is heading to new heights here in the WWF. What does Bobby have? Bobby has to think for a minute, but he says he has Andre. Gorilla responds, a loser. Gorilla then asks, does anyone in the Heenan family have a belt besides the one that Bobby tried to use on Kim Batera? Great line there from Monsoon as the show continues. We come out of that Ken Patera-Hercules match from WWF Superstars 
as Bobby Heenan continues to discuss his issues with Ken Patera. Please. Wasn't that a despicable display? Well, but that wasn't when he put the bell around my neck and tried to take my head off. That was because of your own doing, Yes, I did. I admit that. But couldn't he have taken the belt and hit me with it or punched me? No. He wanted to finish me off permanently. So like I told Patera and everybody, fine, get in line. But like I'm going to tell everybody else, I got an open checkbook. I've got monies, I've got attorneys, and I've got members of my family. You can find me, Jack Tunney. You can do whatever you want to me. But I am not going to rest until Ken Patera... Is completely out of professional wrestling, physically, mentally, and financially busted. So he can get on his hands and knees and crawl up to my feet and say he's sorry. And beg me for a handout. Beg me to feed him. Beg me to feed his family and his kids. Then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spit on him so hard and I'm going to sick every member of my family on him till his neck is busted, busted in half. And then only then can Patera. And you're laying in some shelf someplace, maybe some mental institution or some mm. prison again. Am I going to feel good? Not until that day am I going to feel good. So find me, do whatever you want. I don't care. Your dissertation over now? You told me you weren't going to get excited anymore. It bothers your neck when you get excited. I'm under doctor's orders. I'm not allowed to get excited. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Okay. Highly unlikely that Ken Patera will ever But if he thinks he's ever going to lay another hand on me, he's badly mistaken. With demolition and the crazy one. Gorilla calling the Heenan family attack despicable. On Ken Patera, Bobby says he won't rest until Ken Patera is out of the WWF and busted begging for a handout. And then Bobby will spit on him. Well, that's a bit much. And have his family and Patera out of the business for good. And if you just listen to the promo here, Bobby Heenan's cutting, he has absolutely lost it. His character has lost it here. Selling the angle, the storyline so good was Bobby Heenan. Unfortunately, Ken Patera was the man on the other end of this angle. And as we close out this edition of Primetime Wrestling, and subsequently close out this edition of The Grenade, we've got one more promo lined up this week. This time, it's from the Honky Tonk Man and his manager, the Colonel, Jimmy Hart. You people know me, and of course I'm, I'm not one to really hand out compliments to somebody that I don't particularly care for. Throw out the accolades. But Jimmy Moth of the South Heart, if you join me, please. You know, I, I told you, you so. Get on my nerves. I don't like the way you dress. Certainly, I don't like a lot of the things you do. But you did tell me last year that ultimately the Heart Foundation would become the tag team champions of the world. And indeed, they did that. You know, everybody laughed at Jimmy Hart when I predicted that. You laughed. A lot of the promoters laughed. And most of all, the fans, they all laughed at Jimmy Hart. But we are the world champions. If you want us, come and get us. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do with this guy. He's got himself in a lot of hot He's water. Great, he is from Memphis, Tennessee, also the Honky Tonk Man. And welcome back. Mm, I'm glad to be back. You know, the Honky Tonk Man, you're talking about not liking people. The Honky Tonk Man wants to say this. I want to say this to the whole world, and especially to you, Jake the Snake. The honky-tonk man don't have anything against you at all. I, 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 I don't feel anything against Jake the Snake. I don't know why he wants to do the things he does to me. He makes fun of the honky-tonk man. He tried to rip my clothes off of me. He tore my guitar up. He won't let the honky-tonk man sing his song. And that's all I want to do for the fans of the World Wrestling Federation is sing my song. You know, what did you ever have against Elvis Presley, honky-tonk? I've told you before, I don't know the man. I, 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 people always say that to me. They come up to me wanting autographs. They say, oh, Elvis Presley, we want, to, we want your autograph. You look like Elvis Presley. I don't know who that is. Why don't you leave the man resting in peace? You dress exactly like him. You imitate him all the time. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm thinking about Jake the Snake Roberts. That's what's on my mind. I, I think it's a disgrace to the memory 
memory of Elvis Presley. I don't think it's a disgrace to do anything you want to do in the United States of America or anywhere in the world because that's what freedom's all about, freedom of expression. And I'm trying to express myself, and Jake the Snake Roberts will not let me do it. You're running around the country, you're running around the world with this little twerp back here. And, of course, uh, Thelma Lou, your girlfriend. That's Peggy Sue. Now, look, see, you're trying to make fun. Everybody wants to make fun of the honky-tonk man, and you saw and the whole world saw what happened to Jake the Snake Roberts for making fun of me. You get to wear one of these right here, and you see Jake the Snake, I got another one that looks just like the one you busted up. Because you just keep breaking them, son. Take them away from the honky-tonk man and tear them up. And Peggy Sue, that's her name, she said, honky-tonk man, we got a boxcar load of them for you. Let Jake the Snake tear them up all he wants, and we'll keep replenishing it. You, oh, she's going to give them to me anytime I want them. You, you're still driving that 1959 pink Cadillac? You better believe I'm driving. And every time I get on the freeway, I got the colonel in the back, and I got Peggy Sue up real close to me, and we ride the streets, and we listen to the radio, and we think about you, Jake the Snake. We think about what we're going to do to you, and we think about our number one hit song. That's all right, honky-tonk mama. <laughs> Boy, are they a pair to draw to. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Don't go away. Okay, and that's going to wrap up this week's edition of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. We'll be back again next week, episode 82. We're going to finish out the month of May here in 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation, taking a look at the final two weeks of the month, the special Memorial Day weekend match between WWF champion Hulk Hogan taking on Cowboy Bob Orton, the debut of the one-man gang. We'll get our first glimpse at the returning superstar Billy Graham as he undergoes major hip replacement surgery, Graham vowing to return to the WWF ring. Brutus the Barber Beefcake begins his revenge on the new Dream Team, going one-on-one with Dino Bravo, plus Battle of the Baby Faces, or is it, the Can-Am Connection taking on the Islanders, but the Islanders have a special surprise in their corner. We'll also get some of our final looks for a while from Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik in the ring. All of that and so much more next week on The Grenade. Can't wait to have you guys back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. When you have a sore throat, a cough, or a stuffy nose, come to the halls of medicine. To feel better fast, use halls. Once again, thank you so very much to all of our loyal listeners out there of The Grenade and all of the WrestleCopia podcasts. You guys are really making yourself known as of late. While you're waiting for the next episode of The Grenade to drop, don't forget Monday Warfare Raw versus Nitro returns the first full week of March here in 2023. Also, more new regional wrestling episodes. We've covered 1977 in the WWF. Former Ring of Honor owner Kerry Silken is joined to talk growing up in the late 60s, early 70s in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation territory. Roman Gomez joins the show from time to time as we continue to discuss 1986 in the Mid-South Wrestling Territory. And very soon, get ready guys, Georgia Championship Wrestling. It's the 1981 and GCW Project coming to regional wrestling as well. All of that and so much more. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel over at YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And of course, please Give it a try at the $5 all-access tier. I'm talking patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That's patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Now, there's other tiers you can choose from, but I just ask you to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Get you all of my insanely detailed show notes, early access to many of the shows, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, digital downloads, and, of course, our Patreon-exclusive 
watch-along series, all of that and so much more for just $5 a month. No subscription, cancel anytime. Give it a try. I think you'll like the content we offer. Every penny right back here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So I want to thank you guys again so much. We'll be back again with episode 82 of The Grenade. As always, I am your host, Ray Russell, saying from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and we'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there! I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man nothing Randy. Nothing means nothing. Nothing, nothing means nothing. Man. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? Ooh, I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah. <laughs>